Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be found on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Touchdown Carolina! Touchdown Ace Sanders! Pressure! Clearly just dives in! It is game day. Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks. The show live from the Signorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics, built by the Barndo Co., where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee. And, of course, we are served by Chickencock. Celebrate with Chickencock. Chickencock whiskey, Chickencock bourbon. It is all available on the Chief Sports app by clicking the Chicken Cock Challenge button. You can find it near you. You can find us here until 2 o'clock. J.C. Sherbert, Phil Molinax, or Mad Dog. And my son, J.B., will be joined in just a couple of minutes by Hale McGranahan with the Big Spur. He'll get us caught up on the recruiting side of things and the coaching side of things and everything involving Gamecock football. And then in about an hour, we'll be joined by the voice of Carolina basketball, 
who's got a big one to call tonight. Derek Scott, the Kentucky Wildcats, will walk through the doors of Colonial Life Arena in just a few hours and look to continue what's been a magical season for them. A lot of folks think they could be Final Four bound. We'll see. They've been upset in this building before. We'll talk a lot about that today and what the history shows that Kentucky has done and hasn't done against the Gamecocks at the CLA. By the way, Kentucky only five-and-a-half-point favorites tonight. They are the sixth-ranked team in the country. Gamecocks looking for a signature win. So a lot on that ballgame today. Uh, We'll get into the bracketology stuff and set up the drama and the whole nine yards, and then tonight they'll tip it off at 7 o'clock on the SEC Network, but Derek and Casey will have it on the Gamecocks Sports Network all across the land. Good morning, guys. Fired up. As uh, as we've discussed time and time again with our friend Mike Morgan, with all of you, the Nanosports chat box is open uh, and alive and well. It's neat uh, to be in January and have some excitement going on with Carolina Hoops. Uh, these guys and the gals, of course, doing what they do every year, but these guys have been putting on a show thus far, and they're going to look to continue to do that tonight. It's always big time when Kentucky comes to town I mean, from the, the minute Carolina joined this league. It's, it's been a big game. I remember the first Kentucky team that came in, I think it was maybe early Patino. Uh, I think Jamal Mashburn may have been on that group. Uh, they beat Carolina pretty good. But then I think by the second year of the Fogler era, mm-hmm. the Gamecocks pulled an upset. They upset them uh, at the old Carolina Coliseum. And then, of course, Fogler had um, – <clears throat> Those two wins in uh, 96, 97, including the one at Rupp on senior day, which uh, gave the Gamecocks the outright SEC title. Uh, I remember that first one at, at Carolina Coliseum was ESPN, Dick Vitale, Mike Patrick. George Rogers was there. Darius Rucker was there. Sterling Sharp was there. I mean, every single uh, uh, every single dignitary in, in South Carolina was at the Carolina Coliseum that night. Gamecocks won in overtime. Um, Dave Odom had an upset in the SEC tournament against them twice, I think, including once in Nashville. Uh, Frank Martin obviously beat them a couple of times at home. Darren Horn even had a big win against the Wildcats. So Kentucky's dominated this series, but South Carolina's had some moments against them that have been, you know, sort of sweet. Uh, Last year was nice. I mean, anytime you win at Rupp uh, and you're an SEC program, it's special, no matter how bad you are. So uh, I think that – as Mike has pointed out, this is a very good Kentucky team. I was surprised by the line, this point spread, to be honest. I thought it would be probably eight or nine. Um, but Vegas hasn't necessarily been given Kentucky big spreads. Uh, Florida was a three-point favorite in Gainesville earlier this year. Well, Kentucky struggled on the road in this league. I yeah, mean, they, I mean, they're, I, they're uh, one and one, but the, but they escaped down there only by yeah. by two, and then they got beat just uh you know what ten days ago or so down in College Station. Hey, so. and, um, you know, it's back and forth, but I, I you know, and, and I think that's because this Kentucky team, as good as they are, probably they don't defend as well as you'd hope. They're not great on defense. I hope they don't decide to start playing defense tonight because <laughs> they have some freaks, man. I mean, this get this Z kid. I've just been watching the highlights all day. I'm like, man, what a special player. No wonder they wanted to get him eligible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's just first. He'll be in, a, in, a, in a, an adversarial environment and not in the friendly confines of Rupp Arena. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, 
Uh, Cal, especially, I think what's Cal, what's Cal four and five against the Gamecocks, five and four against the Gamecocks in Columbia during his tenure. Um, the, people talk about the game he got thrown out of. I actually remember that day because it was a football junior day and it was a, it was a day game and I think it was on CBS. Carolina got the doors blown off of them. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember it was the, it was that Carrera team that should have gone to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Kentucky, after Cal got thrown out, just opened up a can on Frank's kids that day, eighty nine sixty two. But um, it's uh, you know it's been one of those things uh, where South Carolina, you know, in, in certain years has their number and beat them uh, beat them a couple of years ago with a team that wasn't all that great. I think, I think the sixteen and sixteen team beat them uh, that Frank had, and then uh, that uh, group with. Um, Cousinard hitting the last shot, beat him in Columbia. Uh, and they beat him uh, one year before Frank got going, too. It was a big upset. I think it was the, the third, his third team or second team, one of them. Um, so there's precedent. Uh, like uh, I was talking to Gunner this morning, don't get too high or too low because uh, Gunner said he's going to pronounce that the biggest game of the year is Saturday coming up against Missouri. Uh, but that that's kind of a gunner thing to do, you know. Uh, but that is a big game. You know, South Carolina really needs to get out of this month at four and four in the league. Uh, and those seven games in February really are more favorable than having to go to Tennessee and having to go to Alabama and things like that. We're going to get plenty on this game today. I've got some pretty unique statistics that will help uh, describe why the line is what it is. We'll get to that in just a little while. But Hale McGranahan has been waiting patiently for the last few minutes to – Jump in and talk some football with us here on what looks to be a rainy Tuesday uh, throughout the state of South Carolina. Hale, good morning, my friend. How are you? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Doing all right. How are y'all? It, it, uh, well, we're good. Uh, with tonight have it being a big game for the Gamecocks, obviously a, a lot to talk to. Derek Scott coming up – or talk about Derek Scott coming up here in just a little while as well. And we're going to really dive deep into it with him, but but we'll lead off with some football with you. I, want, I personally would like to start with something that you put out yesterday projecting the spring depth chart, which is very hard to do these days because you don't ever really know who's going to be in town and who's not, even uh, when the portal opens and closes and this, that, and the other. Guys can still just kind of up and decide to go. But, uh, you know, I think you do this every year, don't you? Jan- sometime in January, early February or something like that, and – try to give us a little bit of a snippet, but um, it's got to be getting a little bit more difficult than it has been. When you've got five new wide receivers and three new running backs and uh, a quarterback, not a single quarterback who's who's actually started a game at South Carolina, it's it's very challenging to say the least this, these days. It's uh, it's definitely a lot of guessing. In the past, there, there's been some guessing for sure, don't get me wrong, but it feels like a lot of guessing early on, especially since these guys are – like two weeks in to uh, their off-season workouts, uh, some some less than that. So, uh, a lot of a lot of position battles that we're going to be talking about uh, yeah. for the next months. I think. Look, you know the the offense. I was I was exchanging some texts the other day about the guys up front um, with with a couple of buddies, and you know they're they, you know they they join in with just about what everybody. Um, what everybody says, you know, you know, man, they got to get better. They got to recruit better and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, well, they are recruiting well, but like, you can't just snap your fingers and have these guys just be developed overnight. Like it, it does take time. Have signed outstanding uh, guys up front in the last two classes, but all those dudes are young. But when I was looking at your, 
and I'm assuming everybody has read this by now. If not, head to thebigspur.com and check it out. Hill did a great job as he does on everything. But uh, as you projected, the uh, the starting five, you had Big Tree in there at, at left tackle and Ja'Kai Moore at left guard, Travon Ball at uh, right guard, and Vershawn out there at right tackle. But what caught me, not off guard, because we did talk to uh, John Strickland a couple of weeks ago about this, and and he mentioned that uh, the boys up at North Carolina Central uh, were, were very excited about Torricelli Simpkins and his his shot with the Gamecocks, but you, you projected him in the – in the lineup here, or at least at the top of the depth chart going into the spring. Yeah, I don't know who else would be starting at center besides Rashawn Lee. Simpkins played a lot of ball at North Carolina Central, like like you alluded to there, JB, and he was very productive. He, he was named all-conference and was like lineman of the year in the league and uh, was on some all-American teams for the FCS level, so – I think he's probably a pretty good player from the little bit of highlights that I've watched that I'm sure many folks who are listening and watching have, have also watched. It's good. He looks like a pretty good player, so it's my guess. that it, I should make that clear. That's kind of an educated guess that uh, that he would be at center. For all I know, it could be Rashawn Lee. could be somebody else uh, just throwing darts uh, at a board at this point and, and seeing, seeing what comes up uh, when, when we're out there for that first day of spring ball. I want to I want to add to, and we've mentioned this around here before, as I get AC in on this uh, this conversation. But his offensive line coach in North Carolina Central is a guy that knows the program pretty well, Cedric Williams, uh, formerly of South Carolina. So he, um, so you know, they got an honest opinion from from Cedric Williams, and and I think that's one of the reasons that that uh, that this staff was was so welcoming to Torricelli Simpkins, JC, but. Or uh, Hale, but JC, I Hale mentioned that you know he's not too sure who else would be in there at center going into the going into the spring going into the spring. This is a depth chart going into the spring that is a projection. Just to remind everybody here, yeah, right? But um, let me let me tell you what uh, Hale when you come out of spring, depth charts change. But uh, but Vershawn Vershawn is a guy who can we've seen him play multiple positions. We all know that if he's out there, if he's not starting at center, I'm assuming that's 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 a good sign for this for this for these guys. I don't think so. I think it's because there's not been tackles that have gotten good enough to play or healthy enough to play. Um, I, I think Vershawn prefers to play center. <laughs> I think he's really good at center. I think he was good at tackle until he got hurt against Florida, and then he wasn't as effective. I think he kind of gets beat up out there. But, but that's just my opinion. Uh, and I'm going to tell you right now why I like Hill McGranahan's projected depth charts. Hale doesn't look at it like maybe me or you or, or somebody else would or like he would personally. Hale thinks about how the coaches would fill it out. I noticed that because he had Juju McDowell, the number two running back. I, I wouldn't even – if I were just giving my opinion on it, if J.C. Sherbert were doing the death chart, I would have Juju as like RBX, like not even on the road. Now he's a different deal. He's a 10, 15-play guy. We're moving around. He, he's not really on the running back depth chart, right? But Hale knows he's going to be on the depth chart. <laughs> and he knows he's probably going to be number two. And so that's uh, – I thought that was a stroke of genius, you know, and then having Ja'Kai Moore out there at the top of the depth chart. I think that's a stroke of genius because I guarantee you Hale's depth chart's going to be closer to what the coaches put out than, than any of us speculating on any of it. Uh, you know, and it, and it may not be that that ends up being who starts, right, because the spring kind of things change. And uh, sometimes those of us that uh, – or just projecting long-term, end up being right at the end. But 
I, I'm always like a little like whenever I see that first depth chart, and it's because I don't think about it like how the coaches fill it out. You know how they do that because there, there's some mind games that take place there and stuff. Hale yeah. has that nailed. So if you want something that's close to accurate as far as the uh, what the coaches will release, what Shane will release at some point, read Hale's depth chart because it's probably closer than anybody's just because of how he puts it together. And and if you don't put it together that way, Hale. And I'm reading your mind and speaking for you. I apologize. <laughs> no, that's 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 pretty accurate. I, uh, I I think the staff clearly values guys who uh, do things the right way in the offseason program and off the field, and uh, reward tend to reward those guys uh, with with more reps at practice, especially when you're day one of practice and in shorts and t-shirts and, and a helmet and, and not actually playing football. So. A little bit, a little bit uh, of that going on for sure, JC. Hey, so on the on the uh, topic of offensive linemen, we got the news, uh, I guess, kind of over the weekend uh, that uh, Tyshawn Wanamaker and Trey Jones are are moving on from football. Is there? What's you fill in our our audience here with uh, with the specifics on that? Any specifics that we have as to as to why that is? Yeah, I can't speak to too much of what their respective line lines of thought were JC might have a little bit better idea than I do. I'm, I mean, clearly with, with Wanamaker, we, he, he was a much different looking guy physically last oh, yeah. year. Um, yeah. and, and Trey Jones, who's uh, played, played a good bit as well over the years and, and was uh, kind of a versatile piece. You, you know, we saw him playing fullback and stuff like that. was a little undersized as a player, as, as, as a SEC offensive lineman too. That was, maybe a knock on him if you would in the recruiting process. But I, you know, I don't know if those guys were just ready to to hang it up and, and move on with life there. That could have been as simple as that, JC. Well, I think, I think it's probably two different situations and, and Beaver did say Trey's still kind of up in the air. Tyshawn doesn't surprise me at all. He almost quit last year um, uh, in the spring. Uh, I remember running into him at the, at the events and, and he's a great kid and was wonderful at the events. But I noticed he looked a lot more like a defensive end than an offensive lineman. I thought he was just slimming up because he wanted to play tackle. Yeah. Well, I found out later he just kind of slimmed up because he liked the way he looked. You know, and uh, I tell the moose this sometimes. If you're worried about how you look, you're going to suck bad at football. Jason Kelsey's <laughs> a good example of that. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I'll, I'll give another example. A guy like David Pollock right now. David Pollock. It looks like, you know, he does uh, ultra fit or whatever every day, skinny, thin. He didn't look like that when he gets to Georgia. You know, you, you got to be a little ugly, if you, especially if you're going to play the trenches. And my understanding was, so he, he changed his mind and then tried to get the weight back on, and he just wasn't the same strength-wise and played like poo. And so maybe, you know, it, I mean, I don't know what his final line of reasoning was. Maybe, maybe he just lost the desire for the game. This happens to guys. Sometimes they just, they just lose. I mean, you get tired of going to practice, you get, and especially some of these cats that have been here for forever, like Trey and Tyshawn. I mean, yeah, I was surprised Ja'Kai came back. I mean, I actually was, I was told he was gone and I apologize for those that uh, I told that to on the show. Um, but sometimes you just don't want it anymore. It, it gets old. Football is, is a game that has a shelf life with everyone. Everyone's going to play that final game and just, but I don't want it. I don't want it anymore. And uh, unfortunately, especially now with, you know, everybody's got that extra COVID year and guys are staying in college for a long, long time. 
uh, it doesn't surprise me that um, that some guys are, are hanging it up. And while I can't really, I don't really know the details with Trey. Uh, somebody says he's trying to get into law enforcement in Abbeville. That's great. He's an Abbeville kid. Um, I'll always like him because Miami came after him hard late, and he ended up signing with Carolina and ran a four five nine forty at camp for a big guy. And we'll always have the memories of the fullback touchdown, right? That was amazing. Um, and uh, and all that. You know, Tyshawn, I can speak to his situation a little bit, uh, assuming that was kind of like, hey, you know, I, I just kind of personally want to move on. Uh, and like I said, he almost gave it up last year and then did not have the best season. So I can't say I was surprised. But, you know, the, these guys that don't hit the portal, that just give up the game – you know, they're just kind of looking on move on in life. And, and when you get older like that, sometimes, yeah, college is over. Let me let me go find out what's next. So more yeah, I, more power to both of them. I think in some cases, too, it, it maybe just seems a little – I don't know if jarring is the right word, but, you know, we hear all the time these days, like there, there's a guy who's coming back for a ninth year in college ball that was, you know, last week. I, I can't remember who it was or where he is, but – the like guys are around six, seven, eight, nine years, miraculously enough. We, I, th- I think a lot of times we just think these guys want to play football forever and go to as many schools as they can and, and, and just keep chasing that dream where, uh, you know, th- those headlines stick out. That the, the guys like Trey Jones and Tyshawn Wanamaker are probably – there are probably plenty of those guys like that who, who are walking away with, with eligibility, eligibility left just because they're – you know, ready to, to get into the workforce and, and move on. And uh, contrary to what some folks believe, not all of these guys who play college football uh, truly think they're going to the NFL at some point, uh, some sooner than, than others, that they, they come to the realization that, that college football will, will be the end of the end of the line for them. Not, and not all of them truly love the game. I mean, and, and I think, I think everybody loses the heart for the game at some point. I mean, I think Nick Saban did it. Nick Saban, he's telling the truth when he said, and I don't want to talk because we've seen like we talked about this for two weeks. I don't want to talk about Saban that much today, but he said, I could not do the what I wanted to do with the same energy I did, i.e., I've lost the desire to go out there and, and go 90 miles an hour and all that. Everybody gets to that point. I think people get to that point in life. You know, it's called retirement. Uh, but with football, you retire a little bit earlier, right? You know, I remember the last time I walked off the field, I'll never forget it. Uh, it, it's special, but it's also the end of the road. I mean, it's boys to men. Although we've come. What, a, what that, about. I should play that song for everybody that retires from football. <laughs> what about the wide receiver group, Hale? Uh, Nick Harbour, Jerry Brown, Gage Lar- Larvidane, uh, guys that you think are going to get the first reps when the, when they enter the spring. Um, why those guys over over Amari Huggins, Bruce, Luke Doty, Peyton Mangrum? Is it just – I mean, the two of them are new to the program, yeah. of course, uh, but they all have played a bunch of football. Uh, just throwing darts, like I said, JB. I, uh, I, I do think the transfers they brought in, I, I do think I like Jerry Brown more than, than the other two guys just from what I've looked at on YouTube. Really? But, yeah, just, just my – He's bigger – He's got more what size. stands out? Yeah, yeah. His his size is a little bit bigger than those other two guys. Those, those other two guys, Huggins, Bruce, and Larvadan, are, are slighter and and skinnier. Quite frankly, uh, Brown's uh, a little more developed physically and and 
I, I think the production that he's had at, at Coastal Carolina is, is certainly better than Huggins Bruce, who played at a bigger level at Louisville. And uh, again, maybe a little more consistent in some ways than Larva Dane, who's been at a couple schools. Um, Coastal's obviously had some success over the years and, and he's been a part of that. So that's a little bit of, of my line of thinking. Harbor, he's, you know, Nick Harbor, they're the, the top returning receiver on the team with, what, 12 catches for 198 yards or whatever it is. Wow, and crazy. Uh, which is crazy, yeah. So just just throwing darts, like I said, you know, it could be totally wrong. I mean, I, I, for all I know, it'll be Luke Doty out there with, with two other guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Or maybe it may – maybe because Nick Harbour's running track and, and not devoting 100% of his attention to football, maybe he's not in the first group. I don't know. Who knows what that – again, just just – guessing right now here two months before we even see what it looks like uh, on the first day of spring ball a couple of thoughts on the receivers number one i agree with you on brown i think i think brown's going to be a guy that people are going to enjoy watching play um i I think i like of the smaller guys i like larva day better than than the kid from louisville from dylan who just never seemed to get any better at louisville he's kind of the same guy from the start had a good freshman then same guy um hopefully he saves his best for last and uh, is back in state and has one of those in state receiver years. Um, I, I don't know about Harbor. Uh, I think Tyshawn Russell will play a factor there. And, and you mentioned Peyton Mangrum and you're too deep and Luke Doty. Guys, don't don't be surprised if Peyton Mangrum and Luke Doty both are catching passes next year. Um, Luke Doty was not bad at receiver, no matter what you people say. <laughs> There's a difference between being bad. And being ineffective at times, which he was ineffective at times. But when he got open, and he was pretty good at running routes, and he'll just get better at that. He's got good hands and good speed. And he, and he, I think I think the kid can make plays at receiver. I really do. Is he a 20-catch-a-game guy, 30-catch-a-game? I don't know. But I think 30 catches true. a game? Well, that I mean, would 30 be catch a, a, a record. 20-catch-a-year, my bad. Um, somebody asked how the receiver Holy pool smokes, recruiting – Look, he's going to the league, dude. Yeah, that's like that's what he called. He called two hundred and forty passes this year, dude. It's like a video. Holy game. Clint asked how the receiver portal recruiting would have been had Coley been announced at the end of the season. Exactly the same because transfer portal recruiting really has zero to do with who your recruiter is. It's more about NIL and things of that nature, and the NIL was the same. So, and they're still not done. So, we'll see. You know, one of the think, one of, and, and and you. you I think that's up, a that's a that's a narrative that people want to bitch about. Certain people and that claim to be in the media put that out. You know, he shouldn't have waited. He shouldn't have waited. That that's called being a a uh, a non patient fan and not understanding the big picture because you start making a bunch of changes right then, your recruiting is gonna go to shit. Okay, you're gonna lose what you got. That's the bottom line. I, I can't stand this. Like people, people just want to like tattoo Beamer forever for waiting. It wouldn't have made a damn bit of difference. It's the same lunatic talk when they, when they talk about him staying for the Big 12 championship game in 2020 and how that ruined the program. <sighs> anyway, I'm not I'm not going to get off on that. I'm sorry for interrupting you, JB. I just I, I, no, it's okay. P- people there are people out there with I, megaphones that say certain things and it gets back to the show and it pisses me off because it's just not true. It's like what whatever these people out there like want to have happen in their mind. It's sick. Anyway. I, I think one. I think Hale. This spring is going to really, really be just fascinating to see because outside of 
All right, so let, let me let me say it this way. Lenore Sellers at this point in time seems to be QB1. I, I don't think anybody would would disagree with that going into going into spring. I think we we all when you look at the top of the tight end depth chart and you see Josh Simon, you see Brady Hunt, that seems seems to be at this point in time a clear cut into, right? Hale, would you agree with that too? Absolutely, yeah. And I, and I don't think that you're we're nobody. I don't think anybody's really throwing darts to project that. I think those are reasonable projections. Um, I think it's reasonable to say that Rocket Sanders, as long as he's healthy and in good shape and th- things like that, probably your your top running back. But then behind him, don't know. Um, you mentioned the offensive line guys; they have a ton of options, and and you got a bunch of guys who are young and going to really be using the next couple of months to develop. And then on top of all that, you've got a new running backs coach. You've got a new tight ends coach. Same same face, but a new coach over there, Justin Stepp. you got a new wide receivers coach. And then you've got a second-year offensive coordinator uh, who clearly is looking at everything that happened in year one and analyzing and all those type things. And so you're bringing fresh faces and fresh ideas with a bunch of players who are all competing for positions. Like, it's not like you're returning nine of 11 starters or something like that. You know what I mean? So the evaluation period this spring, I think, is going to probably be as fascinating as we've seen around here in a while. As far as evaluating the, the current team or recruiting? Right, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, it's evaluating the current team as far as okay. who's going to be – because you have you got new coaches, you got a bunch of new players. I mean, it, there's going to be a learning curve to try to get all this stuff figured out. Yeah, I, I think, what, 94% of the production from last year on offense is what Brad Crawford uh, wrote. 95. 95%, okay. So 5% of the production from last year on offense is, is returning. So, yeah, there, there's a lot to be sorted out. I, Boy, this thing's <laughs> like ESPN's PFF. Don't be surprised they 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 think the Gamecocks are going to go like two and ten. Oh, well, that's, yeah. don't be shocked because that or whatever that P, whatever that crap ESPN because they base that on returning production and things like that, and then recruiting rankings. And so, yeah, I, I bet I bet you're looking up South Carolina Old Dominion's probably like fifty five percent of the Gamecocks win. Or something just because I mean, like, look, you lose that much statistically, it, it's hard for the computer to wrap their you know, AI is not that advanced yet where they can evaluate a roster. Hopefully, someday they will be, but uh, that's the deal there. So, I, I, uh, I think that, um, I think though that this offense will be just fine, I mean, and productive, but uh, you're right, it's hard as hell to figure out like who's gonna play right now. I mean, because receiver, you just do, you don't have that guy. You go, okay, you know, there's a lot of ifs. Running back, you'd think it would be Rocket Sanders, but that's going to be a competition, you know. Yeah, well, and, you, and you've got new evaluators on this staff. Yeah, I mean, and guys, you're, you're, you can, yeah, you don't know what James Coley's going to think about the receivers. No, I mean, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's, I, it's uh, and then you know, Justin's coaching the tight ends now, and. uh I think that's a nice position right now in terms of some of the guys, but then there's guys that need work at that spot too, the younger crew uh, outside of Michael Smith. Um, yeah, it's going to be different. And then who knows what they do with the coaching staff, and there, there will be another uh, fresh face in there. Um, if that is on defense, as people kind of speculate, and I don't know. I think there's a lot of ways it could go. 
then um, I'm looking forward to reading Hale's uh, defensive depth chart. I wrote a little piece on the linebackers today, and I think the linebackers are kind of the most interesting position on the defense just because it's uh, the people that have come and gone and the people they brought in from the freshman class and the portal. And then guys like Jerron Willis and Bam Martin Scott, Debo Williams. I mean, that's a very intriguing spot. So, how about uh, Hale? Any uh, any news, note, nuggets, or whispers to pass along on uh, where things stand with replacing, if they choose to replace, Pete Limbo? Not not at this time. I don't I don't have anything. That the last I heard the other day was that they're still in the process of, of trying to figure out exactly what what that might look like i think at least my understanding is that shane was trying to evaluate the options and, and trying to figure out what what might make the most sense whether it's full-time special teams coordinator or combination of special teams coordinator and coach on the defensive side of the ball or something else it, uh, i think there were some unknowns uh, at least over the weekend as as things were happening with, with Pete Limbo going to Buffalo. So I, I, as we've come to learn, uh, Shane has, has kept a pretty tight circle when, when it comes to coaching staff changes. There hadn't been a lot that's gotten out in, in previous um, examples of this. I mean, Markel Blackwell shows up as as a name and he's getting hired. Like, And, and we, I, I don't think really anybody had, had – connected to the dots there to my knowledge uh jc what what are your thoughts it's sort of i mean when, when they hired coley and i knew that see see cloninger cloninger reported they went to a went to a and m and met with people um beamer himself did not go to a and m plausible deniability right <laughs> but i was told by a pretty good source they were they had talked to several of their coaches um, and that's kind of sometimes when the fog in the system, which I, I chose not to be a part of this off season could get you because like, there's people that wanted the strength coach to be replaced. Uh, even though reality says they've already started workouts and that never happens. You know, so people are talking about a and strength coach, uh, and all that. So, so I kind of thought, oh, Mark will black will maybe, but it didn't get to the point where I felt comfortable putting it out. I'd be lying to you. I'm not like Mr. Super scoop here. I mean, I got, until they announced it, I didn't know. I was the same way with Clayton White. I was in line at Disney, <laughs> and uh, Pete Thamel or somebody tweeted it out. Uh, I knew who he was because uh, he had been on kind of a list of guys I'd look for, but um, that was about it. So, yeah, Beamer, Beamer sometimes, you know, but I'll also remind everybody that, you know, before you start thinking that we don't have info, that uh, – I had Dowell Loggins on a Wednesday and caught all kinds of hell until the next Wednesday when he was announced. <laughs> that was a, it was a bad week for me, you know, <laughs> but, uh, it was right. It was right. So, um, you know, we'll just, uh, we'll see Jody Wright, same way. Uh, but I, uh, I, you know, I, with this hire, it just could go so many different ways. It's even hard to speculate and look and go, well, here are the top special teams coaches in the country and, this, that, and the other. I mean, because there's just, you know, you could go defense. You could go offense, guys. There is a scenario you could go offense here, too. Co I mean, I, I think what it comes down to is a head coach. Hale or uh, Whittle said it best yesterday. I, I thought he said it really well. You know, it's 
there a better special teams coach out there than than Shane Beamer? And and if there's not, can Shane Beamer handle special teams and and then also want to be the head guy? Is that is that something he's willing to take on? What do you think about all that, Hale? Well, there's one thing to keep in mind with special teams coaches. Even though Pete Limbo was the special teams coordinator, and plenty of other schools have a special teams coordinator. All the system, most of the assistant coaches, depending on how things are structured, but a lot of the assistant coaches, if not most, help out with special teams. Like when they're out there on the practice field and going through special teams drills, it's not just the special teams coordinator doing everything. It's the running backs coach, the receivers coach, whoever else coaching the various areas that are on special teams. And when you've got, you know, a punt team and a punt return team and a kickoff team and a kickoff return team, like, there are a lot of different jobs you have to, to delegate. So it's not just strictly uh, Pete Limbo or Coleman Hutzler or whoever else just out there doing everything. They're, they have the loudest voice and, and they're conducting everything, but but it's it's a group effort. It's, it's not yeah. just, you know, Shane Beamer used to be the guy. As far as the coaching, actual coaching guys, not yeah. calling it on game day, but then but – Look, he ran a special teams coach always runs everything through the head coach too. He's got fakes on and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I think what they'll miss him is the time he had, and I don't know if a head coach has time to do this, to dig into tendencies. And I mean, he, he Pete Limbo was one of the best I've ever seen at breaking down the other team's tendencies and weaknesses, almost like Steve Spurrier, like almost a savant in that area. And it's just because, you know, hey, if it works every now and then, great. But when it starts working like ninety percent of the time, that's co- that's he's doing something. I mean, he's got something. He's 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 got a knack for something. Uh, and I'm not saying Beamer can't do that, but as the head coach, you know, it takes a little time. Um, but you're right on on the field. People don't understand this. It's not like Pete Limbo just goes special teams guys. And everybody goes and gets a lemonade and sits there and just starts shooting the crap. And Pete's got the whole team. Uh, everybody, you know, Justin Stepp coaches the returners. Uh, Torian Gray, I think, coaches the gunners, the, the 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 guys that cover the kicks. I think Clayton White's got a big part in coaching something. You have your line coaches coaching the, the block teams and stuff with the big guys. So uh, it is like that, you know, and um, we'll see what happens. But uh, – uh, you're right. Yeah, people got a lot of people don't understand that. That it's like, you know, yeah, even though there is a coordinator, it's just like offense. You know, Dowell Loggins isn't coaching every position on offense, and that's the same way with special teams. Hale, last weekend, a uh, bunch of prospects were on campus, and then there's another uh, slate or a, another large group of them uh, slated to come in. This weekend, give us any updates you got. I know as well, uh, South Carolina, has been, according to your reporting on the Big Spur, has been hot on the trail for 25 and 26. Very talented uh, quarterback prospects. So I, I know I just kind of loaded you up there with a bunch of stuff, but fill us in on the recruiting front right now. Yeah, quarterback uh, 25, the main guys, Ryan Montgomery from, from Ohio. Shane and, and Dowell were up there last week and, and were able to meet with him. That's one thing that coaches can do now that hadn't always been the case is during, during these evaluation periods, uh, if a guy's a junior, they can meet with them in person and speak to them and, and hang out and have a conversation and not just say hi and, and, uh, and all that, like they're allowed to speak with them. So they, they got to spend some time with them 
last week watching him play basketball. Then he, Brian was was back in Columbia on set, late Saturday afternoon and stayed through the early afternoon on Sunday and, and spent some time on campus. And things went really well that way. They, they continued to, to really pursue him heavily. Uh, Georgia hosted him for a visit. He's got one of Florida coming up. Uh, he, he's a guy that uh, that I think South Carolina is in good shape for. 26, of course, they've got Landon Duckworth committed, but they've still been recruiting some other guys, um, some really talented players, some of the best quarterbacks in the country for that cycle, uh, whether it's Jared Curtis or even Duckworth, uh, who, who, like I said, is committed. So they got got some pretty interesting interesting things going at quarterback, uh, and, and that's seemed to be one position that uh, this this coaching regime has done pretty well recruiting. Uh, They've brought in a lot of talented players, and and uh, yeah, so I, I, th- I think the future continues to look right that way, and they'll have a bunch of receivers and some DBs in this weekend, had a few last weekend, a couple defensive ends, um, some in the 26 class, some in the 25 class. Of course, some offensive linemen, too. I mean, this speaking of things, this staff has done well from a recruiting standpoint, offensive line, certainly at or near the top of the list. Uh, and so there'll be some some pretty big time guys in this weekend, and and we're, there were some in last weekend as well. Did we know Stanley Pritchett was John T. Gilbert's high school coach? I saw that. I, I think I, I, I think yeah, I, yeah. I knew that. I, I just uh, yeah. I didn't put two and two together. So, so yeah, Saunders. I think Carolina can get back in it with him. Obviously, there was some momentum lost a little bit. Clemson got some momentum, but uh, Who are you what talking do you think? About? Uh, John T. Gilbert, the uh, safety, former Ohio State commit, uh, look. Looked like he was going to flip to Carolina from Ohio State, and then didn't. Uh, Clemson ended up getting a crystal ball or two. Stanley Pritchett, former Gamecock, is his high school coach in Atlanta. I think at Douglas, right? Yeah, at Douglas High School. Yeah, George Georgia's in the mix too. Southern Cal's sniffing around. Yeah, there's uh, there's a good bit of folks who are in the mix yeah, there. Some, yeah, he's, some, he's kind got of, some have kind of come and gone, and, and I think Carolina's been the most consistent. At least to this point. So, I'm gonna ask you about this kid I like because I've just been watching Shamari Earls, yeah, from Thomasdale in Richmond. I like him. He seems to like the Gamecocks a lot. Looks like he's gonna be back on campus this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shane Beamer has gotten, let's just say he's gotten a lot of guys from Thomasdale and uh, outside of Richmond through the years. Um, your thoughts on uh, on how things stand really early with him? Yeah, they're they're in a good spot with him, that for sure. He's he plays corner, and he's been down at least once. I know for sure once to Columbia. He was at the the game in Charlotte against North Carolina to start this past season. So he 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 watched them play in person this year and uh, or this past season as well. So yeah, I, I think Carolina's in good shape there. From Dale, Virginia. Where is Dale, Virginia? Anybody know where Dale, Virginia? Well, that it's just. Thomas Dale High School. I think it's a Midlothian yeah, or yeah. Chester. Yeah, Chester, Virginia. Okay. It's, uh, All right. Phil's from Northern Virginia. He should know. Yeah, yeah. where's yeah. that at, Phil? Yeah. Let me see. Dale? It's in well, Richmond. You're... It's the Richmond area. But... Oh, okay. Yeah, it's right in the Richmond area, so a little south of the, the northern okay. neck. If you will. Hey, we'll take one more uh, from the chat box, and then we got to let you go here. Um uh, Clint asked about the wide receiver that de- decommitted from Alabama, Jamie French. Yeah, obviously he posted that uh, Shane and, and Justin Stepp were there visiting with him uh, yesterday on Monday. 
beyond that, I, I don't know if there's a, any traction. Um, I know South Carolina has offered them, obviously, along with probably everyone else in the country, but I haven't haven't heard if there's any kind of visit lined up at this point yet. We'll we'll have to wait and see if anything transpires that way. And, and I don't think he's been on campus before. I could I could be wrong, but uh, that they would they would need to clearly need to get him back and down if, if there's going to be any kind of possibility there. Anything we missed on? Anything that was on the tip of your tongue that we omitted to ask? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I, you know, I could come up with some stuff, I guess, but um, I, I can't read minds today. It's not it's my a, skill set. It's all good. I think we, we uh, I think we've covered, uh, we've covered a lot thus far. Well, hail. I uh, hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, certainly, as we just mentioned, a bunch of guests coming to town for Gamecock football, and we know that you'll have that covered in addition to pretty much anything and everything else that pops up. And as we've learned, it always pops up. You just don't know when. Um, so we'll, uh, they'll keep you on the tips of your toes. That's for sure. Thanks for all you do, man. We really do appreciate it and look forward to catching up with you next week. All right, guys. I appreciate y'all. Have a good one. Hail. Yeah. Or Owen. Hail McGranahan, the big spur. Com. Time for a timeout. It's 1145. Derek Scott coming up in 20 minutes tonight, Kentucky and South Carolina at Colonial Life Arena. More on that when we return. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. the screen and it goes to Brewer 20 15 10 5 touchdown Brewer his second of the day pitches it to Brewer turns to Cody touchdown number three of the afternoon Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does for everybody else. Whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience, and and service second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured, your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise, and it's done on time, and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence. The website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today.
Uh, it is our final segment, Hour 1, Kentucky and South Carolina tonight. It has the attention of the country. Tom Hart will call it on the SEC Network alongside Dane Bradshaw and the very lovely and very talented Alyssa Lang as uh, they will carry it on TV. Derek and uh, Casey will have it on the air. For those that haven't picked up on this yet, Kentucky is the nation's highest scoring team. 91.6 points per game will walk into the uh, ballpark tonight. For what it's worth, Alabama is the nation's fourth highest scoring team, and the Gamecocks kept them at home 15 points under that 89.2 mark. So if you can keep Kentucky in the mid-70s tonight and you can shoot it well, maybe. We'll see. Uh, we'll talk to Derek about all that coming up. Hey, do y'all want to play uh, Hi, My Name Is with Derek? Yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah, we, uh, hey, we, we didn't get a copyright uh, infringement on on that either. I'm surprised. I'm really? Sure. Yeah, YouTube loves to, and it doesn't matter because we don't monetize these streams, so we don't run YouTube ads. But uh, sometimes they'll block you in places like like Russia. Like if, every time we play Sandstorm, they block us in Russia, and I'm like, I don't really care about oh, Russian. Really? Our yeah. Russian audience is very minuscule. That's <laughs> So somebody over there's pissed off. I don't want to. I'm not going to get this show anymore. Yeah. This is give me some vodka. I'm uh. This is Bruski. The uh, Russian uh, ITG audience isn't at the top of my list as far as uh, our ratings numbers go. No, they're not. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't dive deep into the, that group of people to figure out what do we need to do to improve. That's for sure. Hey, uh, we call it Boris. St. Petersburg. Boris Parishnikov. <laughs> you need more vodka. You have to, I want the most. I want the, the Dixie vodka, not the chicken. Yeah. Dixie. That's right. Dixie That's right. Yeah. Don't make, don't make that So anyway, uh, somebody asked if limbo leaving affects the DMV. Not really. Um, how they recruit. They, they send. You have the area recruiter. I think he was the area guy. And you, I think, and he go by and they kind of go by this time of year. And then the position coach, if they offer and want somebody quickly takes over, uh, Taylor Edwards, keep in mind, he was at Maryland before he was here. Knows everybody. Sterling Lucas was five years with the Ravens, even though he's NFL, he lived there. So he knows people. Um, he got Nick Harbor. He got Dylan Stewart, Jody Wright helped get Nick Harbor. I know Jody's gone now. Um, and yeah, Jody did have Alabama and Mississippi, but I think they'll continue to spot recruit those places. Uh, Clayton White actually has part of Mississippi. Um, Torian Gray has part of Alabama as well, but it's not about territory so much anymore. I, I do think with these new two, two new guys, uh, with Coley's connections in South Florida and Blackwell's connections in Tampa, you're going to see Carolina initially be more aggressive in those two areas than maybe they have been. Um, but it, whereas it used to be like Jeff Scott would go land, you know, four or five guys, not all, not all of them receivers from the West coast of Florida when he was at Clemson. 
that just doesn't happen anymore. Um, you know, at most places, I don't know exactly how Clemson does it now, but it's not about territory so much as recruit your position and the head coach and all that. So there we go. Malik Clark is who Craig, Craig's asking, do you feel good about the six, three receiver from the upstate Beamer we went with this week? Is that the kid from Rock Hill? Uh, Malik Clark, yeah. we talked about him on the show with Cloninger last week. He kind of gave us a scouting report. Yeah, I feel good about anybody Carolina's recruiting from Rock Hill. I mean, that dude's a great athlete. Ten, Hale said, what, 10, 6, 8, 100 meter? Uh, one of Coley's first offers. So, yeah, I feel pretty solid uh, solid about that. Malik Clark. Tonight, uh, elsewhere in uh, college basketball. Hey, how about this? Huh? This was going to be an SEC game next year. Guys, you ready for this? You ready? Okay. ready? Anybody ready? Texas at Oklahoma. 7 o'clock on ESPN, the uh, Sooners' four-and-a-half point. They're ranked 11th in the country. Whoa! The SEC is so good. And then Texas and Oklahoma, yeah, you know, yeah. they're going to get better. I mean, uh, it, football, basketball, baseball, you know, just. Yeah, like, I, I got a theory about football, and I've kind of flipped it based on some intel I gathered this season and watching Texas sort of grow up a little bit as a program. Although they still had no business losing to Washington and barely squeaking by K State and TCU and losing to Oklahoma, I mean, you know, they're still not there. But they've got the they've got the horses to come in and compete. Oklahoma does not. Hmm. Okay, so I think in football there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period for both of those programs. But the other sports, men's basketball, women's basketball, they're both. I mean, I think Oklahoma. Was at one point a power in women's basketball. They're Oklahoma, I think, is what the best softball program in the country. Hmm. Texas and Oklahoma both are great in baseball. They're Omaha, consistently in Omaha, or at least Texas is, and Oklahoma gets there. Um, man, I the, the, men's basketball alone. I mean, because those are two really, really solid, solid programs, and they're coming from a league, in my opinion that if the SEC has an equal this year, it's the Big 12. Um, and it's, it's kind of funny because the new teams that have come into the Big 12 are right there in the top 6-7. BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and even UCF beat Texas at Texas and then talked smack the other day. So that's uh, those two schools, men's basketball, that's really going to be really going to be something to watch and look out for. That that That, to me, is the sport where that particular meteor <laughs> makes the biggest impact right away that one of course baseball yeah well, and to your point the big 12 right now uh, according to joe lenardi and we'll get into this in just a little while uh the uh the new projections but um the big 10 right now projected to get 10 into the postseason and the sec eight for what it's worth the acc right now only projected to get three teams wow uh elsewhere Nationally in college basketball, an upset alert tonight because, as we've discussed time and time again, Phil, seemingly every night now there are upsets being pulled across the country. 13th-ranked Wisconsin is on the road in Minnesota. I can't imagine that it's warm up there. But we won't ask the question of how are they going to deal with the conditions because they play basketball indoors. 7 o'clock on the Big Ten Network tonight from Williams Arena. Uh, Wisconsin is just a uh, two-and-a-half-point favorite. And then fourth-ranked Houston's on the road at 21st-ranked BYU, 9 o'clock tonight from the Marriott Center in Provo. Houston is only a two-and-a-half-point favorite there. Elsewhere in the SEC, there's only one. It's at Reed Arena in College Station, the Aggies, and the Missouri 
Tigers, Mizzou, limping in, 8-10, and 0-5 in the Southeastern Conference. Their next trip here to Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, so we'll see what they look like tonight when they uh, when they face off against a and I hope they get that W. I mean, because like Mike said, we have, a, we have a little clip up on it uh, on our YouTube page where Mike's talking about some at some point Missouri's going to beat somebody. Because they're not, they're not as bad as their record. I mean, the losses are piling up, all that good stuff. But man, they're they're a much better team, and they've lost some really close games, and they're going to make somebody very unhappy soon. And you just hope it's hope it's not the Gamecocks. So it is the end of the hour, hour one that is here on this pretty dreary looking Wednesday. But hopefully it won't be dreary tonight. It's Tuesday, JB. Tuesday. You're Whatever. losing track of the days. When it, when the cloud cover up here happens and I don't really see sunlight for a week, uh, the days run together as well. Yeah. I I feel like Rocky full four. Like I'm Siberia oh, training. That's right. You have to run up a mountain up there. In the burning heart. In the burning air. We are well, running away from communists around here, though. Well, that's true. Electricbikescharleston.com. Up to 28 miles per hour. That's faster than you go in the left lane at 5 o'clock in the low country any day. 28 miles per hour. You can just get in the lane next to them. In the little bike lane. Drive right by everybody. Just clog it up. I don't care. But if you have an electric bike, you have to go buy them all. You can take it to the beach. You can take it to the mountains. And the Wilkins family will sell to anybody and everybody in the great state of South Carolina. And that's exactly what they do. Their warranties are better and their service is better than everywhere else. That's why folks come from everywhere. Hilton Head, Columbia, Myrtle Beach, Greenville, you name it. Electric Bikes of Charleston. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. They are located in Mount Pleasant. Good news. They're right there by uh, Five Guys. So you could eat Five Guys and then... Get on one of those bikes and <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Not burn it off. <laughs> well, you won't. You won't have to pedal. You can if you want to burn it off. If you don't, if you're just not feeling good, just just put it on cruise control. Oh, that? sad news. Uga Ten, aka Q, died. Oh no! The winningest Uga in Georgia history. Oh, well, it's sad to see. That is sad. I like I like, little dogs. I like Uga. Yeah, I do too. I'm a big fan. I like fan. those little dogs. They're cool. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Dolph Lundgren, Rocky Four. Everybody's favorite Clemson alum, Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> he, he, well, he, he did go to Clemson. I swear to God, it's on his Wikipedia page. He's a Clemson guy. Of all people, Drago is a Clemson guy. Yeah. I, mu- I must break you. Go Tigers. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. Go Tigers. Fight Tigers, fight Tigers, fight, fight, fight. Everybody's favorite broadcaster, Derek Scott, wait patiently. He's on the other side of the anthem here on Inside the Gamecocks show. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everyone. 
it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football, tailgating, kids stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions. Most importantly, they ship it to your doorstep. Order online at GamecockTraditions.com, where there's always a sale. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com, a tradition unlike the others. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
31 seconds left. We're tied up. Inbounds comes to Kusnar. Jermaine brings it ahead to midcourt. Gets to the three-point line. Puts up the three. He makes it in. South Carolina upsets Kentucky. Jermaine Kusnard off the glass. And the Gamecocks have taken down Kentucky. Final score, 81-78. Oh, my. Hoping to be a good time tonight for Gamecock basketball as they take the four against the six-ranked Kentucky Wildcats. That didn't happen too long ago. I don't want to age any of us. Derek's been the voice of Gamecock basketball for a while now. That was back in 2020 when Jermaine Kusnar banked it in, and as it always is, a brilliant call by the voice of your South Carolina Gamecocks, Derek Scott, who joins us now on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, brother, you ready to go? Yeah, I believe so. Got uh, got everything I need done done from a prep standpoint. I learned how to uh, pronounce Big Z's name and uh, added him to the spot chart since that was a last-minute addition. <laughs> Sympathies to Scott Howard in Georgia for having that drop in his lap the day of the game. I'm sure that was a delightful experience from a visitor's broadcast perspective. How do you pronounce his name? Ah, let me get it back in front of me here again. Zvonimir Ivasich. Okay, Ivasich. better you than me. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good Russian name. We're, we're just going to stick the Croatian organization. Yes, sir. So right. Slavic. It's Slavic. So will Vladimir you, Ivasich. Are you going to Are you going to go through all that on the broadcast, or are you just going to stick with Big Z? Big Z. I, I don't think Ivasich is that hard, so I'll probably say Ivasich. To me, if you're using the nicknames, it better be for your team. Not for me, you know. I mean that—that's yeah. just my. It's kind of cheesy but... when you go with a nickname. I don't, I don't, I don't do nicknames a whole lot either with the own team. I mean, I know some people like they'll they'll even latch on to somebody's like people like literally that that you know have a voice in the market or at least somewhat of one. Called the Carrie Joiner Dak Joiner for like years, just to be cool, you know. And I, I don't. You know, Juice Juice changed his name on the roster, so I called. There him you Juice. go, right? But uh, yeah. some of this other stuff, I don't know them personally. Most of them, <laughs> you know, I, I don't. You know, so I, I'm with you on that. Uh, and it definitely needs to be your own team because I, as a, as a play by play guy, especially basketball, sometimes the nicknames are fun. But uh, I'm uh, I'm anti nickname. <laughs> I'm right there with you, JC. And, and uh, the, other, the other thing that I struggle with is, and there's a lot more of this now, is guys that want to honor their family, and I have no problem with that by telling us you are Floyd Spencer the third or the fourth and, and that sort of stuff. I'm probably just putting Floyd Spencer on the spot chart, though. I, you know, that's just, I, you know, I, I respect your uh, yeah. your right to do that, but it's probably not something that's going to make it into my broadcast. Unless so. their dad played. And it was a star like Mike Dunleavy sure. Jr. for Duke. Yeah, I mean Mike Dunleavy yeah. obviously was a Gamecock and an NBA guy. So I'm with you there too, man. Interesting conversation. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I know the Croatians hate Russia. SC Scout. <laughs> I was, uh, but it, uh, you got to admit that that name does sound Russian. I mean, it's it's it sounds Russian. Setting the scene for tonight, Derek Gamecocks come in five and a half 
half-point underdogs to the six-ranked Wildcats, which will tip at seven. You'll be on the air with Casey at 630. Carolina Sports, a 15-3 and record, 3-2 and two in the league, and we're going to lead off with that here in just a moment. Why they're 3-2? and Because they went to Arkansas and played flawless basketball. Kentucky comes in at 14-3, and 4-1. and one. For those that maybe have been entertaining, going, not going, you got about 150 tickets left. That's it. So if you go to Ticketmaster, um, you, you, you're going to be sitting in the upper deck unless maybe there's a couple for sale uh, down in the, uh, in the lower bowl for resale. But um, everything that's available is in the upper deck. Uh, as of an hour ago, there were 4,809 student tickets claimed. Hats off to the students uh, for being willing to show up tonight and hopefully cheer for the Gamecocks, which have the sec-best record on their home floor in the last 10 ball games of any team in the SEC outside of Tennessee. Five and five. The last time, the last 10 times the Wildcats have walked into this arena, they've walked out losers five times. The only team better than that, as I mentioned, the Vols, and that's four and six. So Carolina's looking to join the group and lead it uh, with a with a solid performance tonight, Derek. They'll once again be without Miles Studi. They played wonderfully without him the other day. Just magical basketball. Their most complete game of the year. Give us your version of what happened over there. in Fayetteville. Yeah, I don't think there's any question uh, that they did play that level of game. You're right. Uh, and, and the interesting point there was twofold. One, in that Lamont had talked to me off the air Thursday during the coach's show, basically a little bit frustrated, but not terribly frustrated. But his point being, if this team would make shots to match with the way they share the basketball, holy moly, what an efficient offense this would be. He told me, he said, I- I've never coached a team that passes as well, that shares the ball as well as this one. Now we've just got to start taking advantage of the way we're passing the ball. And lo and behold, they come out at Arkansas and they did that. They made those shots. Uh, And that's been the frustrating part leading up to that point. I I know uh, John Whittle wrote an interesting story about B.J. Mack specifically, but the team in general going leading into that Arkansas game about, about how, you know, the, the, if you split the schedule to that point in half, you know, the first nine games or so shooting percentages looked one way. And then the next day, they they had dropped off considerably. And the, the ironic part was, it was if you watched the film, you did not see, for the most part, you did not see lack of opportunity, lack of quality shots. They just weren't going in. There were a few games in there, of course, where you didn't feel like the offense was flowing as well. But it wasn't really that you had lost that. It just kind of makes shots. Uh, and, uh, and so for them... To see the ball go through early against Arkansas was one thing, but this team started well a lot this season. And then after that first or second media timeout, can you sustain it? And this is what they did. They sustained it. Uh, they kept making shots. BJ hit back-to-back threes there uh, mid to late in the uh, first half. And then you had a lot of good off-the-ball movement, guys getting free at the rim. And, and Arkansas is not a good defensive team. So, I mean, that's part of it, too. They seized the moment. They took advantage of a team that doesn't seem terribly interested in guarding. And that's what buoys my hopes the most tonight. Uh, Kentucky is very good offensively, elite offensively, maybe the best in the country offensively. But their defensive effort has also, at times, looked substandard. And after they had Georgia beaten down Saturday, 
they allowed that game to get relatively close again with that very sort of, uh, you know, breakdown. Uh, and so see now this game is on the road. You, you think of a scenario where maybe the shots aren't falling for them as well as they do at home. Uh, they're certainly due for, for a game where they're not just knocking down everything. I mean, I saw the note earlier. They've scored 90-plus. Just It's either current or just leading up to this game, 90-plus in four straight SEC games. I mean, you've got to go back to the crazy days when Patino first took over and they were just, you know, splashing threes from everywhere to see that out of them or probably just about anybody else. Uh, so you, you'd like to think maybe there is an opportunity there for an off night especially the way South Carolina guards. This is a very solid defensive team. They're not going to give give away anything easy. And so, therefore, you come back to that same subject. Can you make shots? If you can make shots, you got a chance to beat this team. I would think, too, if you're Kentucky, you'll be frustrated to play against South Carolina because also their pace of – they guard you. This team's come a million miles. Last year, very little defense. Yes. Especially compared to what we were used to under Frank Martin. This team guards like Frank's teams. I mean, and it's and, and not only that, but the pace of play and the sharing of the ball. You're sitting there. You're you're having to play D, having because Kentucky's not that good on defense, from what I can tell. Right. And then they're and then Carolina's knocking down shots and and taking twenty seconds off the shot clock, doing it, passing it all over the place. That has that. I, I would think that would be frustrating. Also, in addition to facing a, a hostile crowd. Uh, for a team like Kentucky that's used to just going up and down the court and playing like a like an NBA exhibition game. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look at it this way: they're top ten in the comp- in the country in adjusted tempo. They're top twenty in the country in average possession length. Flip that over: South Carolina adjusted tempo three forty eight, uh, an average possession length three thirty nine. I mean, this is the yin and the yang as far as uh, the pace with which these two offenses like to play. And if the Gamecocks can win out and keep it at the pace they like, yes, that could absolutely lead to some frustration. And also, I think teams that don't commit to defense, if you make them guard you for the full shot clock, more of a likelihood that there's a uh, there's a breakdown somewhere in there, too. All right. So a little bit of a cup here. Alabama, Kentucky, number one in the nation in points per game, 91 points. Bama's number four and the Gamecocks, although they didn't play well and they got thumped. They did hold Alabama to 15 under that average yeah. uh, while they were over there playing in Coleman Coliseum. This game is going to be played uh, at home. If South Carolina gets the win, it'll be their first winning streak, which two in a row, as they told movie Major League, uh, since the 2009-2010 season, and that would be coached by Darren Horn. Uh, so it's been a while, and it's hard to do against against the Wildcats. So, so – what is it that you've seen, uh, Derek? You watch a lot of basketball. In addition to to South Carolina, of course, what what is it that makes them click so well on the offensive side? And that's this has all been done without the the big Z, uh, yeah. Until this, the past this one past game, two things. One, they've got great balance in terms of the number of different guys they have that can make shots. That that's first on the list. This is a Kentucky program. The last few years, the frustration from Big Blue Nation towards John Calipari has been his unwillingness to modernize his offense. They have not embraced the three-point shot in terms of how often they shoot it or recruiting guys that can shoot it well. Uh, And that's it's crazy to think about it, but Cal has never had a Kentucky team shoot more than 32.5% of their field goals 
from three. And that was all the way back in 2011. The last uh, six seasons, they've only had one team that ranked higher than 330th in the nation in three-point attempt rate. They have just acted as if the three wasn't really the factor that everybody else seemed to agree that it was. And he finally this year seems to have accepted that this ain't working, man. And he's gone out and gotten a bunch of guys who can really stroke the three, and he is letting them do it. And so now they have a a three-point rate at 38.9%, which is 138th in the country. Yeah, that's not like elite. They're not three-point crazy, but that is a long, long way from where they've been during his tenure. And he seems to have accepted that, you know, what he was still, you know, clinging to offensively wasn't working anymore. Uh, and you you heard other coaches off the record talk about how, you know, how basic and old school their schemes were offensively. The sets they ran wasn't particularly hard to prep for. And he's gotten some new coaches on that staff here in the last couple of years, Chuck Martin being one of them. Uh, and they have evolved uh, as a program and then, like I said, you just you go back and look at the guys. The ironic thing is, in the summer, people were freaking out in Kentucky about this roster because you had you had the freshmen, but you did not have any veterans. You had, I mean, you just didn't have anybody on the roster. The Reeves kid, who is their leading scorer, was trying like crazy to graduate early so he could go back to Illinois State, where he had come from. And the only reason he stayed at Kentucky is he figured out he couldn't finish his degree in time to get the waiver. And he was going to have to ask for, you know, seek out a special waiver and no guarantee he would have gotten it. In fact, this year, there for a while, like nobody was getting them. So he said, okay, I'll stay. And where would they be without him? I mean, he is he's, he's one of the favorites right now for player of the year in the league. And then, of course, the big kid, Mitchell, only left WVU because Bob Huggins blew up. Otherwise, Mitchell's still at is WVU, tr- and he's hugely important to what they do. Is that Trey Mitchell, the same Trey Mitchell that's been like four different places? Yeah, or UMass. No? We played yeah. him against UMass back when I was in my 30s, I think. Frank tried uh, to get him and, here. And yeah. he Texas, yeah. and then he went to uh, WVU, and, and and then when Huggins you know, blew up his career, he he, he bolted for Kentucky. And, and, I mean, again, those two guys are incredibly important to them in terms of talent, but also as much as anything, they, you got to have some veterans. Older and, guys. Yeah. yeah. Old guys. So and let me get this have. straight. Reeves was at Illinois state. You hear this Illinois state transferred to Kentucky. Bad place. Basketball for Kentucky. Tried to graduate from Kentucky early to go back to Illinois state. Go Redbirds. It's my wife's alma mater. Well, there you state. go. <laughs> I, had, I had, I wanted to make sure I heard that clear, but uh, yes, that's a, to, to go back to blooming to normal from Lexington, man, whew, he must have hated Lexington. Good guy. Well, I, I just think it tells you the way they were playing last year and in yeah. recent years, he was thinking we're wasting what I do, man. And and yeah. this year they're not wasting what he does. And he's therefore is averaging 19 and a half points a game. And he's hitting, you know, 43% of his threes. Uh, he is an elite performer. He's a guy you cannot leave alone. That's for sure. Uh, Derek, they, Reed, Reed Shepard is an interesting case. He's a freshman. Uh, he is uh, from the home of the original Kentucky Fried Chicken. That would be London, Kentucky, for anybody that's never been there, seen that, and 
Also seen the world's largest frying pan, for those of you <laughs> interested. Um, but but he's he he is a freshman, and and watching him this year, it's it's neat. It's neat to see him uh, out there averaging almost twelve points a game, but also over four assists, over four boards, and then he's only averaging a, about a turnover and a half a game. So what are what are your what are your thoughts on him and how he kind of stirs the drink for Kentucky? Uh, Another interesting story because no one was sure that Cal wanted him. He was Mr. Kentucky basketball, but he doesn't, he was not viewed nationally as a surefire five star. And his dad, of course, was Jeff Shepard, two time national champion, most outstanding player of the final four in their their second uh, title in that great run they had there between Patino and Tubby. And his mom was a thousand point scorer at Kentucky. I mean, there was no question this guy was going to be a wildcat, but he had to get the offer. And I remember Pat Forty writing an article at one point. Pat, of course, based in Louisville, knows that state very well. Went down to London and 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 saw the kid, knows what all the, the hubbub about him, and was just kind of subtly asking that question: what happens if they don't offer you? Because they were in the midst of pursuing all these other freshman guards they got this year. Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner was the one that everybody was fighting over. You know, he's Milt Wagner's grandson and uh, DeWan Wagner's son. Wani played for Cal at Memphis. Milt got hired at Louisville by Kenny Payne to try and get DJ to go there. I mean, that was a huge recruiting battle. And now to look at them, both in terms of numbers and to watch them, uh, honestly, Reed Shepard looks like a better player. and doesn't mean he'll be a better pro. He's been a, a, been a better college player, and I say that. Heck, Wagner's been three-time SEC freshman of the week. He doesn't suck. Uh, he's been really good, but Reed <laughs> Shepard has outdone – I don't know who would have thought this kid would perform like this. He, he's been just freakishly good for them. He's a smart basketball player. Gets it, honestly, as you just pointed out. For those of you uh, uh, who are headed to the game tonight, follow Derek's lead. Now, it is a – Baseball Q zip, but if you need a quarter zip, you can head to Gamecock Traditions at the Village at Sand Hill or in Lexington and be looking good. It is a blackout. They will all be dressed in black, and uh, and South Carolina will look to pull off an upset. Gamecock's got a pretty good guard themselves, a guy named Talon Cooper, who just we've t- I, we're having the same conversation every week, but he but he deserves it, and we'll continue to have the conversation because he man he is just the calming of calming. When he's on the floor, he didn't miss a three-pointer last week, um, and and it's like he waits to shoot till he needs to shoot. And then he he makes a shot. He kind of runs back down the floor. And, All right, what do I need to do for the rest of you? Uh, so with Miles Studi out and Zach Davis in, uh, the lineup is in, is much younger. Uh, although Zach's been playing basketball now for a couple of years at Carolina, it is it is a less experienced lineup. And, and when you pull leadership out, you need to add leadership somewhere. Looks like Talon's just kind of absorbed that. At least that's what I saw in the 40 minutes they played last week. Well, he, he does so much for this team. I was really happy to see Eric Musselman call him out post game uh, in a positive way, not the way Nate Oates called out Studi in a Bush League way. Uh, but I mean, he really had really good things to say about Talon and about how good he was defensively and, and understands spacing and, uh, and felt like he probably defended them as well as anybody they face. And he mentioned it, you know, really smart, high basketball IQ. And that's that's so important. If the ball's going to be in your hands as much as it is a point guard and other coaches recognize how 
talented you are, but more than anything, what what a great basketball IQ you have. That that's a huge benefit for this team. And I, you know, Tawn's a South Carolina guy. He's got pride in this state, but he also spent three years in Moorhead, Kentucky, which is maybe an hour from Lexington, and you know, all over that state, you're going to hear about Big Blue during basketball season. I'm sure this is a pretty big thrill for him to go against that program and to have this opportunity in his home state to, uh, to try and, you know, leave a mark. Well, he's, yeah. Has he ever faced them, Derek? I, I don't know. know. I, I haven't dug deep enough into the Moorhead rock records to see if they played them uh, any of those three seasons, but that will happen between now and 7 PM. Okay. We're better. <laughs> well, he's going to play them tonight. Um, yeah. As far as the big guys go, you know, last week early in the game, was really, really neat to see and very proud to see Josh Gray go out there and play some pretty good basketball. Kind of had that strange foul. <laughs> kind of turned, he kind of grabbed the guy and decided to. Man, I, I honestly didn't mind that. He knew I he didn't. was beat. And I hated that it got called the way it called. I understand. Letter of the law, it's, it's a, you know, intentional foul, whatever you want to call it, uh, flagrant. flagrant. But when you think of a flagrant foul, the concept in your mind is not somebody giving another guy a bear hug to say, basically, I, I, I'm tapping out on this play. You, you've got me. Um, so, yeah, to give give him two shots in the ball there, I thought was unnecessary. But uh, you're on the road. It's, the coach of the Razorbacks was obviously going to work on that during that break, during that timeout. Uh, and so they got what they wanted. But, no, you're right. Josh played really well. He, he, he gave him some big minutes. He finished some buckets after having such a tough night against Georgia. And uh, yeah, they'll, they'll need him. I think you need BBV. You know, he didn't even play against Arkansas. They didn't have to, uh, but I, I, with all of Kentucky's size, you've got to think all, all, all hands on deck probably tonight in some capacity. I, I agree with that. And I, and you mentioned just a little bit ago, BJ Mack. Um, so, you know, going into the Arkansas game, one of the things we had seen him do well recently was was work down low in that post, and um, you know he's, he's for as big of a guy as he is, he's he's fleet of foot down there when he needs to be. He's got some nice moves, Derek, when his back is to the basket. But then that Arkansas, he steps out and and he wasn't just hitting three pointers. JC, how'd you describe it yesterday? I mean, they they were cut nets on on Saturday in in Fayetteville. Yeah. And so I guess the hope is here – I mean, that's part of his game, clearly, mm-hmm. and it has been for a long time. And he he was struggling to get that three-pointer going, Derek. And I was my, myself wondering, you know, who, who is B.J. Matt going to be for this team? I don't know if he's going to go out and hit three or four more of those tonight. Sure hope he does. But, but you hope that that maybe kind of opened him up a little bit, and I'll be anxious to see what that does to Kentucky's defense as well. He has to uh, because it, what the great success he had against Arkansas on the low post – will come a little harder against Kentucky just because of their, you know, extreme length. Now, they're not physical long guys. You know, they're not a bunch of, you know, bangers. Um, I mean, you know, Trey Mitchell's good low post defender, but he's not elite. And, and then the freshman, I think Aaron Bradshaw is going to be more interested in trying to block your shot than actually, you know, bodying somebody up. Uh, but uh, he still has to be able to step out and hit those threes. Uh, and to make this offense really go. That that changes everything when you can create spacing and pull a big defender away from the basket. And really it makes him defend the, the, the pick and roll so much different. If the pick and pop opportunity is there, you can't use drop coverage. 
And if, if that's what you want to do, then South Carolina has to keep shooting the three on the pick and pop. Even if it's not going in, you can't give up on it if they're going to use drop coverage. I don't know that that's what their plan will be, but uh, it, it'll be, I, I think, a huge factor tonight. There's, you hate to throw it on one guy, but, yeah, he's got to play as well as he has these last few SEC games for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. Every time South Carolina has managed to upset these guys, somebody has, quote, gone off. Whether you go all the way back to Devin Downey or Chris Silva a few years ago, or last year it was Michi up there in Big Blue yeah. Country, 26, 6, and 6. Six assists, six boards, 26 points. Oh, yeah, six threes in that game as well. Yeah. And I'm anxious to see. I mean, obviously, Cal has circled him. I'm anxious to see what he looks like tonight, too. What what, what if uh, Actually, let me ask that question a little bit deeper. To take us through Michi Johnson the last couple of weeks. Um, he... he yeah, I think it was the Alabama game. He went two of nine from long range. He, I know he knocked down against a, a four, I think, of seven, was it was, against Georgia, something like that. But outside of that, you know, he's not throwing up seven, ten threes a game, Derek. I mean, he, he's sometimes he's only m- maybe taking three or four shots from long range. Like, what 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 is he what is he doing? What is his role within this basketball team right now? He, uh, I mean, he still more often than not sets the tone offensively early in contests uh, for this team um, because he has the ability to get into the paint, and that's what he's done better this year. Is he, he's been more efficient? He's as you just pointed out, he's he's probably taken fewer threes per game, but he's still had the ball in his hands a bunch. He's made good decisions by and large with driving and creating uh, defensive rotations and then finding either either finishing himself at the rim, which he's done a real good job of, or assisting. And and that's what I look at with Michi now is, you know, how much he has contributed offensively without necessarily having to hit six threes like he did last year uh, at Kentucky. And, and when you look at his numbers, if you, if you dig deeper in, into his numbers, his assist rate, you know, is down – from last year to this year, but it's not down in a way that you would feel bad about. His turnover rate is down from last year to this year. That's just as important. Uh, and he's drawing more fouls, you know, and and that's also vital because if he can get to the free throw line, he's a good enough free throw shooter. He's getting more of his offense at the line. His free throw rate this year is almost, it's like 39% over 39. Last year was under 22 um, so, you know, the more percentage of your possessions that end up in him at the line, the better we're all, you know, going to feel about things. And then he's just making more shots. Uh, I mean, last year on two point field goal attempts, he was 41 and a half percent. This year he's 49%. And that, and then threes, he's gone from 33 to 37. So if you make more of your shots, um, and you're not necessarily, using fewer possessions, and he's definitely not. And the percentage of the possessions he uses has gone up. The percentage of the shots that are taken while he's on the court has gone up from last year to this year. But he's making more of them, just probably as much as anything a byproduct of who's around him. Uh, and then also just having years of ex- a year of experience and understanding better what works and what doesn't. And Michi and Talon have both helped these two guys. I'd love to go through the entire roster, but we'd have you here all day, Derek. But uh, both – Last week, Zach Davis and Colin Murray Boyles had nice games. Zach had 12 points, which was his highest total of the year, second highest of his career. He had 13 last year at home against Texas A&M. Colin had 11 points. I think his career high is 17, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a couple of, or about a month ago. Um, 
and they're going to need both of them tonight. They did a great job getting to the rim last week, man, and mm-hmm. and finishing. The, I, both of them flushed one home. That was neat to see. You don't see a lot of dunks from this group. You're right. Uh, they were able to get a couple last week, so they're hopefully they're fired up and ready to go tonight too. Yeah, this team's not high-flying, and it's funny. You notice it's in certain stats. They don't dunk a lot. They don't have a ton of steals uh, and, and or – block shots to a lesser degree, but, you know, they don't turn their opponents over. Their defensive philosophy is stay in your lane and really, you know, make it harder for folks to get to the rim and make shots and not gamble uh, and force your your teammates to help you out and rotate. But, uh, by the way, interesting time for me to have a window cleaner going by. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Kind of freaked me out on this first pass. Um, Anyway. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that, that's, you know, that, that's not really a part of this team, but sure. Nobody doesn't like dunks, uh, especially <laughs> when you're dunking on somebody. So when Zach went up and, and, and again, Arkansas, number one in the nation in block shots, right? So when you're, when you're dunking on them, it's got to feel especially good. Uh, especially if you get one tonight from 18,000 people. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That could, uh, that could do some damage for those that will be listening and we hope you're all listening. 6.30 is when Derek and Casey will cut the mics on, and they will tip it all off at 7 o'clock. This is pretty funny. Uh, I just have to ease this in here. It has nothing to do with tonight's game, but it does have to do with basketball. Um, the announcement that C.J. Stroud, former quarterback, of course, at Ohio State, has given a bunch of money to their collab. Don, Don screenshotted that and put it on Twitter and tagged Asia Wilson, <laughs> Leah Boston, <laughs> Anthony Mitchell, and every other player that's in the league and asked them to come see her. <laughs> she doesn't miss like the trick. She like doesn't miss the trick. Well done, Don. Yep. Well done, Don. Uh, yeah, somebody yeah. asked about that earlier today about football, and I think we're going to have to have it. Uh, maybe maybe one guy. Yeah, there he is out there, Derek. Maybe one guy that. But I mean, we're nice you're job. gonna have to have two or three more years of this NIL thing for, huh. I think, guys to be very willing and able to give back just because and, and, and hasn't JC, been a whole lot there so far. You know? yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, JC knows this. Even in the old days, right. when it was athletic departments fundraising with their own former players that's usually not something that goes real well your best donors are not typically your former players certainly not your former not your former star players that make their money playing ball it just doesn't typically work that way that's why when you see something like cj stroud it's very rare make note of it because that's 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 special ask anybody in fundraising it's the hardest thing in athletics fundraising for college hardest thing to do is get your former players involved financially yeah those they're supportive don't get me i mean most are very supportive but it's tough, and uh, I don't know. NIL is probably going to ch- probably should change that because the argument is: look, I busted my butt for four or five years. The university made plenty of money while I was there. Yeah, I, I've done my part. That's the argument I hear from a lot of them, and then some of them just are never asked or they're butthurt about something or something. But then I think as NIL continues to go, though, you, you're going to have some guys that are going to give back because they did benefit financially for whatever reason by being a college player. But that's down the road. Yeah, <laughs> That's a sure. uh, CJ Stroud's special guy. Maybe Dawn can get her girls to do it, but I, I don't see it happening in the other three major sports on campus right now. All right, Derek, do you have, do you have two minutes till we let you go? Sure. All right, because we so we've created this new award-winning game that is it's sweeping the country. We're, we're in the middle of getting it uh, patented right now and copyrighted in the whole nine yards uh, for everybody to get to know all of our guests better. 
Okay. It's called Hi My Nance. So we yes. haven't had a chance to play. If we play it with you once, we don't have to play it again. We'll just go ahead and get it out of the way so people will know when they're listening tonight who Derek Scott really is. All right, that, Phil? That's fine, but I want you to rename the contest Get to Know Me, and I want you to go find the old skit that John Lovitz used to do on Saturday Night Live so you can oh, play right. that beforehand. Get, I, to and I know. get to know me. Get to know me. Get to know me. Get to know me. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll, we'll – we'll, this is what we've got now, so you be the judge, and if, if we if we need to change it, we'll we'll change it. Go ahead, go ahead, Phil. Hi, my name is what? My name is My name is All right, so you want us to switch it to get to know me instead no, of – No, 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 no. That, that's more modern. You're right. You're working the younger crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're trying to catch that younger demo there. I get it. We're trying to still have like a job. Maybe and... making creative decisions for sure. Like, yeah, I get we, it. We still want a job in 10 years, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. we got to stay a little bit hip. We're getting old. You know? Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Let's let's tee up. So, uh, pick a twenty-five-year-old song, by the way. I'm just going to throw that yeah. out. There. This song isn't new. <laughs> that's all. That's all. a quarter century old. Yeah, we're like, right. oh, we got to stay hip, guys. Come on, come on, guys. Oh, oh, we we all know his name. It is Derek Scott. All right, uh, Derek. Bacon or sausage? Bacon. Good answer. I'm and not that. turkey bacon. Don't don't play that. That's, That's not, not bacon. No, no yeah. It's not, it's not bacon. Well, you said that. Had, that, had that debate during breakfast in Fayetteville. I'm like, if I'm in Fayetteville and you think I'm not eating a pig, <laughs> what do we do? You're in Fayetteville talking to <laughs> Wait, who, who are you debating oh, yeah, with? Are you making that? against the law in the state of Arkansas? Um, whoever was next to me at the at the breakfast line, but we were both remarking that eh, that turkey bacon not not happening. Those it's the Tyson chicken act. people. They're forcing their turkey products on yeah. Tyson uh, Not even, honestly, if I played it, if, if I would have eaten breakfast at Virginia Tech, I probably would not have still gone for the turkey bait. So, no. no, no, no. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm glad you said that. That's uh, Everybody should clarify with on that. I'm with you. I 100% agree. Worst haircut you've ever had. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I don't have great hair, man. I mean... They do what they can with what they have to work. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know that I can recall any one particular that stood out because I don't ever like the way my hair looks. Other than to say, I'm happy I got it. I am not trying to move in Phil's direction. Uh, it works <laughs> for some. I don't think it would work for me at all. It's, it's just Sorry, you know, it's a fact. It's an investment. Mad dog. What is your biggest pet peeve? <laughs> I'm a grumpy old man. I've got so many. Uh, you know what? You know what? Here's just one for because of a sports side of this. People that don't understand in an abbreviation for a conference that the C stands for conference. So they want to tell me about the MAC conference. Uh. Yo, from the Department of Redundancy Department, it's the Mid-American Conference or it's the MAC. It, it's not both. Young announcers. I'm with that's I've never thought of that and now that's one of those things that will stick now now that I hear it because that would drive me time yeah that drives me nuts well all right on that note is it RBI or RBIs (sighs) that's tough Uh, I say RBI uh well I I think I do heck I'm not sure that I'm even committed uh to one side of that argument or the other I'm an RBI. RBI, because you already have the S in there with runs. Runs batted in. 
I also say foul poll, though, and I understand the argument about it being a fair poll. The poll's in play. I just, you know, that's hard to convert. That's a, that's a hard conversion. My buddy Phil Elson at Arkansas will die on that hill, but I'm not sure that I'll ever convert. So I, I wouldn't know what to think if they called it a fair poll. <laughs> it's a, what what yeah, is that? Sounds it's like a town, a town in Alabama. Like fair poll, Alabama. Fair <laughs> By the way, South Carolina has just eclipsed 5,000. Nice. Tonight. Well done, boys and girls. All right. Favorite Girl Scout cookie? Yeah. Um, where I grew up in West Virginia, they were called tagalongs. When I moved down to South Carolina, I had to do a little research to figure out what, when I got the order form, there were no tagalongs. And I was for a moment, truly panicked that they did not offer them. But then I figured out they're just called peanut butter patties down here. I'm with, that's my favorite too. Uh, Thin Mints is a close second. Thin Mints is phenomenal. Uh, but if I get, if I get a box of peanut butter patties and can put them in the refrigerator, uh, and be ready to watch, you know, March Madness, because that's usually about the time of year that I get those. Yeah, that's a good day. That's a real good day. It is. Mayonnaise or mustard? Neither. I'm anti-condiment. I don't do man- mayo, mustard, or ketchup. We have another anti-condiment uh, person here. And I'm a May- baseball guy. It's a baseball guy. Will Crow did the same thing last week. I yeah. have a special... Uh, a special uh, uh, I, I'm just an aversion for mayo. Mayo is probably the worst on the list in my mind, but I don't partake in any of those. Beamer Beamer doesn't like mayo either for what it's worth, but he had about 40 gallons of it dumped yeah. on him. So. Yeah, that could not have been fun. All right, you're going to like this one. Should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? No, no. And I'm a oh. Cincinnati Reds fan for life. There's too much that went on that's not known publicly about his life that is beyond acceptable behavior. Uh, yeah, yeah, no way, no way. This is this is turning into a hot one here because Holbrook last week was dead serious. He should be in. So you I love Chad, play. but he has Chad was never living around Cincinnati enough to uh, to, to understand a lot of what went on. And sure. and I have good friends who are like me, fellow Reds lifers. And uh, and 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 if you know, you know. And the answer is definitely. That's a fair answer. I'm with you. I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let Holbrook know I flipped to the other side because that's what <laughs> All right, skateboard or rollerblades? Neither. <laughs> Neither. <laughs> I mean, if I had to, I guess if you're gonna make me get on one, I'd go skateboard. But I, oh. I, I, uh, I, I'd never broken a bone in my life, and that record would have changed if uh, if I would have ever really pursued either of those ventures. Final two here. Seinfeld or Cheers? Oh, man. Probably for me, Cheers. Yeah. I just the other day, I don't even know how I found this in the rabbit hole I was in, but I found a a montage of all of Norm's entrances. Every episode. When he comes in the door, everybody yells Norm, and then he has some snappy line. Uh, It was was like so fun to go back in the the way back machine with that. But yeah, Cheers was, was pretty special. I'm, I'm with you. I'm a Seinfeld guy, but I love them both. Cheers! I, is best, I think Cheers is the best sitcom ever. In my Man, awesome. Hey, can you watch Cheers anywhere right now? Is it what, does it stream on any service? I haven't That's even looked. Great question. I, I think like it was on Netflix up. until Peacock came out. It's kind of like The Office because it was it an on- NBC property, if I remember correctly. So it's probably on Peacock, which is the only streamer. 
to which I do not subscribe. Well, I'm getting ready to cut the cord here when I have some time, so I need to be—I need to figure all of these things out about these streaming services because yeah. I barely, barely dabble in Netflix at this point, and everything else is a mystery to me, and that's about to change. Yeah, I, you'll. Uh, well, WWE is going exclusively to Netflix next year, so if you're a wrestling fan, you don't want to have Netflix. I don't know. 12 year old me would be 12 year old me would be really excited about that but then 12 year old me would be really confused about what the hell Netflix is so, uh. <laughs> that's true where's the blockbuster yeah. all right finally one per you get only get one one person that you can pick to play around to golf with oh. you can't say you can't say Pete Rose no definitely not ah <laughs> uh, man Probably John Daly. John, that's a good answer. Yeah. That would be a hell of an 18. There's some stories oh. there. And and that, that yeah. Yeah, for sure. John Daly. And that, that was the most extensive Hi My Name Is we have. We, we, we kind of ran the gamut with there. Huh. I'll have to, uh, he, he's probably our number one guest at this point in time. We've got a bunch <laughs> of questions we didn't ask him, but. We did have somebody earlier who said you're the best guest we have, so well, we appreciate, appreciate that. that. Enjoy it. I love my visits with you, cats. Derek, cannot wait until uh, the call tonight. Literally right at 6.30, you will be on the air in my household and thousands and thousands of others across the state of South Carolina. Uh, you know the drill. Make sure you bring home a win. Um, but it's going to be dark in there because they're all going to be dressed in black. Uh, yes, so we'll indeed. see if that helps. But it should I've got a feeling that tonight South Carolina's gonna play well and we know it'll be a phenomenal atmosphere and we know there will be a bunch of blue in there too. Yep. So hopefully uh we can quiet them down. But uh, good luck on the call tonight as always. We really enjoy it. We can't thank you enough for what you do for everybody, you and Casey both, and we look forward to speaking with you soon. All right, guys. Take care. Have a good week. There you go. The great Thanks, voice of Game Cop basketball, Derek Scott, who we kept way too long today. But uh, yeah, we did. That's <laughs> <laughs> a big I game. Looked at the know. time. I was like, oh my. <laughs> yeah. I asked him two more minutes. Twelve minutes later, we're still yapping about. He, enjoy, he enjoys our conversations. I think, I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. I, he, he doesn't look mad. I mean, if he were irritated by it, he would. He would have said no already because we take all of our guests long. <laughs> <laughs> he would have said, "I've got to go." Yeah, uh, or right. he he would have sent me a text and said, "Dude, what are you doing? What are we doing?" Uh, <laughs> right. Irish well, goodbye. <laughs> hey, he would have he would have JC'd us. What the hell? <laughs> My <laughs> internet <laughs> stopped working. Right. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh-huh. Work. <laughs> I stayed yesterday. Uh, we got to hit a timeout because, as we just pointed out, we have gone really, really long. Uh, we are not done with this game, that's for sure. Plus, some major news could be coming down soon in college football. I'll tell you what that is when we return here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. It's 2024, and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year. 
Hey, Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Price Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches every time. 803-543-6297. 803-543-6297. Rescues and Resin, proud supporters of Carolina Rise. They are also proud partners of the show. They make products you can't get anywhere else. Custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate, make your home, or make anything stand out. Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. Rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned and operated. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecocks great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, 
top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup's Swing Shop. Play ball. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Oh, Johnson with the crossover. Yeah, well, Off the glass, it is. Oh, it Three on the way. Good! Deep three for Johnson. Tonight gets their fourth win in the SEC. More on that ahead in hour number three. Welcome back. Rescues and Resin. We're proud to partner with them. They're wonderful people. If you've never been to rescuesandresin.com, they literally can design anything that you want in the wood and resin industry, and it is sweet. Their store is awesome. Do you need a new set of coasters to go in your home? Do you need some wall art? Do you need a Gamecock cutting board? For those tailgates or for your somebody's birthday present or anniversary gift, whatever it is, you've never seen stuff like this. I'm telling you, you've never seen something like this. I remember talking to Connor Shaw back in September when we were at the uh, tailgate up in Charlotte just about how cool all these things are. Rescuesandresin.com, and if you go to the Chief Sports app, you will find them in there as well in our partner section, and you can click right on and see everything they do. And you can contact them, have something custom made, or buy from the store, rescuesandresin.com. Dustin, if you're watching, uh, certainly glad to have you and Tabitha as friends, but most importantly, thanks to your service. Thanks for your service to our country. Uh, Dustin is a guy with uh, with uh, quite a line of achievement in his past. So rescuesandresin.com. All right, some news coming from the NFL According to a report from Mike Garofalo with the NFL Network, quote, something could happen between Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers in the near future. Quote, my understanding is it is an extremely strong offer that they have made to him financially. They are now at a point where they're going to discuss staffing when it comes to general manager and obviously the coaching staff. This feels like advancing to the point where if everybody's comfortable with a lot of the principal factors at play, that this team could move on Jim Harbaugh and get him under contract in the near future, end quote. That's from Mike Garofalo with the NFL Network. Sharon Moore probably get the job. I think Michigan, with the players they do have coming back, they're not – I think they look – I think any chance of Sharon Moore not getting the Michigan job went down the drain with what they saw happen in Alabama. Because, I mean, you get a whole new coach. Like I said, they did go hire Brian Kelly from LSU. You're talking about a mass exodus from there. So I think I think Moore will quickly be the hire. Quickly. Now, so will he last? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't, I don't know either. I mean, I know that there's a lot of folks that are high on him. I, I don't know enough about him to know, you know, what type of head coach he would be. But I, I would say this, though, like, that brings up a really – and we don't have enough time to have it, but we certainly could continue the conversation in, in hour three. That – it hamstrings you with the way that things are designed. And I'm not saying that he that Coach Moore wouldn't be the hire. That's not, that's not what I'm getting at here. What I'm saying is for what you – and I don't disagree with that. Um, what I'm saying is if that is the reason that Sharon Moore or the chief reason – or maybe the largest of many reasons, gets hired, that's a bad reason to get hired. Like, there, you shouldn't have a system that punishes, like we just talked about last week, but when your coach leaves for another job and all of a sudden the entire program falls apart. Um, I mean, that's crazy. So, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't, who knows what happens, but I, I don't, that ain't good. Yeah, blow it up and start over. I mean, I, yeah, but I, I think you'll see more internal promotions too for that reason. Or more, you know, guys with familiarity. Maybe, maybe you bring back a play, a coach that went someplace else as a head coach or something. It's just, uh, it's just one of those things. Um, you know, I think. Uh, and Clint asked how much you value player input when you make a hire. Well, now the players obviously have a little bit more say. I, 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 I never thought you should at all. I mean, I, just to be honest, um, I thought you should go hire the best guy and then let him handle the players. But I mean, if players are under contract and you know that they're going to be around for two or three or four years, yeah, that's one thing. But I mean, you know, if they're not under contract and they just have to leave whenever they want to, then they don't get any input, in my opinion. Well, is Marcus Friedman like somewhere we could point to and be like, this was greatly influenced by player input? Yeah, I think you can. He was, and I, I think right now you can't call him a good hire. Right, I yeah, I think, yeah, it's still um, out. <laughs> Ryan Day was an internal promotion, and like Sharon Moore, though, had the interim, because remember, Urban had that problem where he got suspended for three games that last yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, and, and Ryan Day went 3-0, and you know, as the interim. So he was a shoe-in for the job. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it's interesting. I, I, I think – I think more, yeah. As an interim head coach, it's hard to win. I mean, South Carolina's had two of those, and uh, they're both pretty good coaches. And they went one and eight <laughs> the last ten years. It's hard to win as an interim, um, but it's also, I guess, when you know your coach is coming back, maybe it's it's not. But I mean, more. I mean, dude, dude called what thirty straight run plays in the second half against Penn State, and they won going away. Yeah. Didn't call a pass. That's some gangster. That's some gangster stuff, man. That's, that's gangster. <laughs> you know, I mean, who does that these days? And he did it just confident. Uh, got up there and shed a tear. That's my coach. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I could see him doing quite well uh, at Michigan. They're not going to win the national championship again anytime soon because I, I think Michigan's the type of program that has to build over time and get there and all that. They're, you look at what Ohio State's doing right now in the portal. And with their coaching staff, and it's absolutely sick. Wow! I mean, yeah. they're they've had they've won. Ohio State's won the off season, not Michigan. <laughs> um, but can Sharon Moore win a lot of games there and get the Wolverines in contention and be a powerhouse? Absolutely, I, I think. And their chances of repeating next year or getting back to the playoff next year, um, I think, increase with him 
rather than you go and get and a guy like Brian Kelly too, man. You know, he's not beloved universally, right? You know, so you'll have just some butt hurt based on that. Guys, leave. It's the end of the hour here, hour two. We've still got one to go as we get you fired up and ready to go yeah. for tonight's yeah. game. Remind me to talk about uh, Clint said his uh, favorite sitcoms were, uh, I think, Seinfeld and Family Ties. Okay. Uh, let me just, I want to remind everybody about the Family Ties theme song when we get back. <laughs> that is. If that doesn't want to bring you back for another hour with us, I don't know what. It's a hell of a, te- a hell of a teaser, man. I'm keeping them keeping them listening. <laughs> Congratulations to the students at the University of South Carolina. Well done, well done, ladies and gentlemen. There will be over five thousand of them in attendance tonight for Carolina and Kentucky. We're going to talk plenty about that and get into more football and beyond. As we roll right along here on a Tuesday afternoon. Inside the Gamecocks, this show from the Sinorama Studios will be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. Because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. 
Lepto Mommer. So I got a, I've got a, uh, I got a correction I have to issue here. Clarification slash correction. I have been corrected during the break by, uh, by, by, by a member of our audience whom you all, you will all see on Friday at eleven twenty on the air because it's Coach Stuart Lake, who uh, sent me a, a, a text and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it here. And he said, JB, to clarify, only WWE Monday Night Raw will move to Netflix in 2025. <laughs> I, be- I believe Peacock will still have the rights to all other WWE. Just trying to be your pro wrestling guy, I could do more than just baseball. <laughs> I love we, if we don't <laughs> try so, to set up some sort so of even standalone. So coming w- up on eight minute with Coach Lake, yeah, with we are doing our audience a severe disservice. I, I, I'm with you, Phil. I think coming up, I think beginning Friday, it will be Gamecock Baseball slash WWE with Coach Stewart, the Hitman Lake. That's yeah, the Hitman. <laughs> Man, I bet a, a, a WWE show on the Chief Sports Network would be very popular. Uh, Woo! Yes. I know a, a friend of mine who I used to have on all the time on ESPN and JB and Goldwater, uh, who covers the Braves, Corey McCartney is one of the best in the business. Uh, Corey is just one of the best, one of the best people too. Uh, he's a huge WWE guy. And uh, so we could get him and, and Hitman Lake together and, and let them, let them, you know, let them go at it. I don't know. I haven't watched wrestling in, in 20 years, probably more than 20 years. I'd probably have to catch up to talk intelligently about it. I mean, so yeah. I think I, I was anyway. I, I I was a Brett the Hitman Hart guy when I was a little kid, and then I liked Stone Cold. If that matters, does anybody care about that? Um, the only other local sports programming that's here in the Upstate that isn't, you know, Mister Ryan on the same station, <laughs> Mister Ryan digs, the, the brilliant. Mr. D- digs deeply into the WWE. I have heard at times. Oh God, what that's worth! Yeah. Oh, that's I the mean, coolest. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard about him. Yeah, so, right. Anyway. Right. 
<laughs> Let's go to the Enrique Palazzo concert. I'm driving. Anyway. Ed, uh, hey, Ed's talking about the Post and Courier. Mike Mooneyham wrote that forever for the Post and Courier. Oh, like, man. Did he not still yeah. write that? That's me. I mean, Mike Mooneyham, literally, I've never seen anybody cover wrestling like Mike Mooneyham with Post and Courier. It'd be so much fun to get into it. Yeah, you go to the matches and drink a beer or seven. Would you wear a face, JC? I mean, a, um, a face, a face mask, a mask? Yes, or would you of course do? I would. You, oh, you would. Oh, like my a, favorite wrestler was. Lord? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's like the way you got Undertaker. Like, what was the what was the guy's name years ago? He used to wear a Boom, mask. He always, he always put a sock on his hand. Oh, that guy was happen. nuts. I remember who you're talking. I know who you're talking about. I just God. What Nat, was that Nat knows much more about it than I do because she used to watch. She never missed Monday night. She does pay-per-view still. That and MMA. MMA would also be pretty popular. Which I have a lot of I've, I've, I've a lot of respect for MMA fighters. That's some real fight. I had a you know. I had two of them on a show. I, I used to Kyle Bailey and I used to work together on ESPN in Charleston. Kyle's up at FNZ in Charlotte now. And Mick Foley. There you go. There you go. Mick Foley. Mick um, Foley. Okay. Um, Kyle and I had two MMA guys on that were training in Charleston. And I'd never seen any of these guys up close. They were in studio. And these cats walked in and their earlobes, you know, were like pancakes. And <laughs> and their, you know, their eyes were crooked and their <laughs> noses were, you know, all flattened out. I, I, know. I, I, I mean, I was literally looking at him. I asked Kyle. I was like... This guy, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Are these guys, do they look like this, or is that? No, that's from fighting. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm. Eventually, they're going to like uh, sloth from Goonies at the end, of, like when they're older. Yeah, but yeah, they're going to be rich and still have like bikini-clad chicks around them, and I sort of like their. Anyway, I don't want to get into that right now. Let's talk about family ties. And the, oh yeah, the, the theme song. <laughs> Yeah, but right, we digress. So, so yeah, I, I was thinking up this scenario one day. I was like, okay, so what if, like, what if I was like, you know, single and was, I really liked this girl and I had one shot and I, like, I prayed to the good Lord and the good Lord said, you got one shot. You got to bring her to dinner at your place, cook her dinner. It's got to be perfect. I'm going to give you all the ingredients. I'm going to make you make a fantastic meal. I'm going to help you make a fantastic meal, candlelight, ambiance. Uh, I'm going to send uh, some people over from the rectory to clean your apartment for you. Cause I know you're a slob and, uh, and you know, you're not going to let any wrinkles come on your suit. You're going to be great. I'll give you the gift of gab, but the only thing you have to do is the only mood music you can play is a 1980s theme song from a sitcom. You have to, pick, yes. do you have to pick one? That would be the one I would pick family ties because the lyrics go, I guess we've been together for a million years. And I guess we'll be together for a million more. It's like I started breathing the night we kissed. And I can't remember what I ever did before. What would you do, baby, without us? Without us. What would you do, baby, without us? And then at the end, there's a sha-na-na-na. There is nothing more pimp than that sitcom theme song on earth when you're talking about theme songs. There's good ones out there. Don't get me wrong. There, There were other candidates. But family. So how did ties, that work for you? I just made the whole thing up. It's a story. It's a it's a fable. <laughs> it's a it's, oh. it's a it's a morality this, play in the book of JC. You know. Oh, this isn't uh, real. This isn't no, really it's like happened. 
Oh. You think God came down no, and helped me get a date? how he got Nat. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> how I got Nat. You can ask her. God. How he got so, Nat. wait, you're telling me when we go to break, I can come back and say, I've got a story to tell you all about uh, frogs and acorns uh, from my trip to Brazil. Is it as riveting? I make the whole thing up. Well, I mean, did you really think God came down and, held, and put those kind of stipulations on old J.C.? Yeah. Uh, God would do that. God does have a sense of humor, they say. So, That's right. I did. But no, I was like, that would be, uh, I just, yeah, you know, that's uh, that's that's the most pimp of all the 80s uh, sitcom uh, theme songs, I think. I mean, there are other good ones, don't get me wrong, man, you know, but uh, that one. I mean, I mean, just think about it. And it doesn't even fit. It's a comedy kind of, you know, family house is kind of funny. Alex P. Keaton, all that, you know, Mallory. Uh, It wasn't that deep, but that song is deep as hell. I mean, that's a, that's a tugger. That's a, like a, like a, a against the odds, making out on the beach, seventies love, love story kind of tune there. Anyway. (laughs) But uh, oh, let y'all know that. Jesus. Well, all right. Shana, nah, well, nah. I'm glad I mean, that the wasn't Shana Nana is the cherry on top, though. Don't you think, Phil? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's without what really the Shana Nana, we're not going that far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, we we bench watched Family Ties uh, probably over the summer last year. And, you know, typically when you're binging shows like that, you just, mm. you'll, you'll hit the skip, you know, intro or whatever. Yeah. We never did. No, we listened to it every time because we'd sit Not there and once. sing and we, you know, it, it mean, it'd be great. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a duet on top of that. It's a duet on top of yeah, that. So right, you're with yeah. your girl. You can, she, you can sing one. She can sing one. That's, what would we do, baby? baby oh, yeah. Without mm. us. What if, uh. <laughs> What if what's his name? Uh, who, who used to do the do the adult? Uh, Aaron Neville sung that song. What would we do, baby? What would we do, baby? What would we do, baby? Without us, Ooh, yeah. I don't know much. I don't know how I love you. And that may be all I need to know. Ah, <laughs> I'm usually good with my Aaron Neville. I ran out. I got a little phlegm come up right there. Anyway, well, enough at least of that. At least it didn't come out like Coach O. What we do? No, I, that wasn't an, that, that wasn't an invitation. <laughs> if you were trying to get it back on the rails, that was the wrong an, way. It was an it. observation, <laughs> not an invitation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, Sweet we gotta stop. Tonight. <laughs> Tonight we got big basketball Billy. game. I like I like Billy. I like yeah. Five like hours, almost five five hours, forty five minutes till tip off. So let's. Uh, it was almost fourteen years ago tonight that uh, number one went down to that gym for. Hey, so here's a trivia question for you: Can you name the starting five from South Carolina's upset of number one Kentucky at Colonial Life Arena on January 26, twenty ten? The starting five for the Gamecocks. Devin Downey, obviously. Yeah, Devin Downey. Were there others? <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna throw a Lakeen Jackson in there. There you go. That's two. Um, right. How about a Mike Holmes? No. Sam Muldrow. Sam Muldrow. These other two yeah, are. Had a... 
good game. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Sam had a good game. Uh almost a double double. But there was one one is definitely going to escape both of you, I would imagine. And the other one uh had was the second highest scorer that night for South Carolina. It was a guard. Dominique Archie? No, he had been hurt by then, right? He right. got hurt early in that season. I'm stumped. Two uh it's a it's a hyphenated last name. Brandeis Rayleigh Ross. There you go. Rayleigh uh, Ross. Who was five My of God. ten, two of seven from long range, 17 points that night to go with five boards as well. And then who was the fifth starter? Either, either one of you? Or do you want me to? I, no. This Morris, be tough. Morris Petrovich. Uh, Austin Steed. Austin Steed was the Austin uh, Steed. I remember him. Starter. I've kind of blocked yeah. that era of basketball. <laughs> the the uh, horn after his first year through Frank's third. I don't know that I watched a lot of basketball, gentlemen, during that period, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> those uh, were the wins baseball starting years, really hard. Yeah, yeah. I lived <laughs> yeah, in Nashville too at the time, and I was, <laughs> I was always like dog busy through like the first week of February because of recruiting, and so I just uh, I'd watch the games, but I don't, you know, I, uh, you know. Now here's of, here's the here's the question. Here, you could probably get as close, if not closer, to the starting five for Kentucky that night. Does anybody remember the starting five for the Wild? Here's the with Carolina's upset the Wildcats in Columbia, in case nobody's paid attention. Generally, they've beaten teams whose like entire starting five has all gone on to play in the NBA for a really long time. Because I remember when it happened back in the in the 90s, which we're gonna go back there in just a minute. But I remember this game. I was at this game. Um, so I was living in Columbia. You could everybody can probably name the two most obvious, right? If you're watching the screen, does this give anything away? Does anybody remember the dance that he used to do? John Wall. John Wall, yeah, okay, that was that team. Weren't they like a nine seed and they won the whole thing or at least played for the title? John Wall, yeah, they were. I mean, they were loaded. John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Patrick Patterson, who Patterson did not have a good game that night. Uh, and uh, Eric Bledsoe and Darnell Dodson were the other uh, starters for that was a left team was loaded. Demarcus Cousins, if he had had like uh, his head on straight a little bit better, that dude was a what could have been one of the best post players in the history of the NBA. I mean, he was yeah, really good. It was unfortunate that he, he scored twenty seven. Yeah, he scored twenty seven I mean, in the ball game. I remember that night Carolina couldn't stop it, but Muldrow had a good game. Like he had a lot of block shots, like with with some other dudes out mm-hmm. there. John Wall, I don't think did a whole lot that night. Uh, Devin Downey went completely off. So, for what it's worth, the the rest of the guys that played in the game that night for South Carolina, just to throw it back again, this is 2010. Stephen Spinella, Ramon Galloway, Evaldis Benulis. And John Dre Jefferson played 17 minutes that night. Wow. For the game guys. Um uh Devin Downey, of course, won the game for him. He scored 30 of the 68 points that Carolina had. But one of the things that was lost in Devin Downey's stat line that night, if y'all don't remember, he was only nine of twenty-nine from the floor. That's it. I mean, he really did not shoot it that well, but he hit ten of eleven uh from the free throw line. And and that's where he got his his thirty points from because he just continued to run in there. And that was the year Carolina. So they will be upset Kentucky in men's basketball, and then they beat they won the national championship in baseball and beat the number one team somewhere along the way. 
and then beat Alabama. Alabama. So that was a, it's all in that, one that calendar, calendar year. year, 2010. Yeah. Hard to believe. That was a glorious year for Gamecock Athletics. It's hard to believe it's 14 years ago. Yeah, it was really yikes. wild oh. what happened during that. That was like a nine-month span where all of that happened um, yeah. for for South Carolina. Now, of course, men's basketball was on its way down anyway, but it was that was still a nice moment, I think. Now, if you go back to 1997, which I remember this game quite well because I was there. Many of you listening were probably there uh, as well in the Frank McGuire Arena when third-ranked Kentucky walked in and was knocked off by the 19th-ranked Gamecocks that night in overtime, 84-79. to Can't we all name the starting five that night? I think I can, actually. Yes. By the way, I talked about this game earlier, JB, where you – I was I was kind of in the middle of a monologue. You probably tuned me out, but uh, <laughs> as I was talking about like Darius being there and George Rogers and Dickie V was close. Oh, yep. big George, baby! I think George gave uh, Dickie Dick Vitale a big hug and yep. knocked his helmet off or his, his headphones. Oh, big George! Oh man! Oh my goodness! Go, big George, baby! Oh, oh! <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I love me some Dickie V. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so what was it? Oh yeah, starting five for that team. Melvin Watson, mm-hmm. B.J. Mackey, mm-hmm. Larry Davis, correct, Ryan Stack, William Gallman. That is correct. Wow, I nailed it. Nice. You are correct. Um, Stack, I don't know if anybody remembers, but uh, Nate Wilburn actually had a hell of a game that night. He scored eight points in that game against the Wildcats. Stack didn't even score a point in the game. Yeah, um, I remember Nate got in because Nate was a starter the year before on that NIT team because he he'd come in from Ohio State. I think, I think Stack was a freshman or a redshirt freshman, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Eddie liked him because he could hit three in his defense. Uh, Craig or Antonio Grant did not get to Carolina until the next year. That was he was on the second, uh, yep, NCAA tournament team. Hit a big shot against Cincinnati one day and won it. I remember Grant was good, but uh, that team, yeah. that team, that Kentucky team, they beat too. As I mentioned earlier, just want to throw this in before you continue yeah. on. They I, I, every time South Carolina upsets them, they're just they're absolutely loaded. loaded with guys, and we know it at the time, but then we really see it later because they all move on to the NBA. The dudes that checked in and played minutes that night for the Wildcats, Allen Edwards, Scott Paget, Nazir Muhammad, Anthony Epps, Ron Mercer, Wayne Turner, and Jamal McGlure uh, all played Jeez. Uh, for the Wildcats and Coach Patino that night. And Wayne left. Turner could hit it from 35 feet. Uh, yeah. uh, Allen Edwards is actually on the basketball staff here for Frank uh, Martin. For uh, No, no, no. I'm sorry. That was Doug Edwards. It was on with Frank Martin. Allen is like is a, an assistant for him now at UMass. Um, he's related to Doug. Doug Edwards played at Florida State back in the Metro Conference days. He was their bet one of the him and George McLeod were their two best players mm-hmm. during the Pat Kennedy era down there. Yeah, David Ross. Uh, yeah, Twinkle Toes. David Ross. Somebody says. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think uh, yeah. Uh, Billy says ninety six at Kentucky. It was ninety seven. It was March. Carolina March goes 7. back up there. And Kentucky could have tied them for the SEC. I don't know. They probably have just been co-champions. Uh, it's Senior Day, Rupp Arena, and CBS. Big deal. National television. And Gamecocks shot well, and Larry Davis drilled some threes. They played really good defense and won on Senior Day. And that was yet – Carolina went 15-1 and one in the league that year, guys. Lost to Georgia by three on the road. Mm-hmm. 
fifteen and one, and they had a non-conference. Back then, you sometimes played a non-conference in the in like February. I remember at Cincinnati where they blew the doors off the Bearcats, an NCAA tournament team like ninety-seven, eighty-three, up in Cincinnati. I'll never forget that game was on ABC. Man, and and they got they beat Alabama first round of the SEC tournament, and then they ran into Georgia again. And Georgia had one of their football players on their team as a forward, and I, I don't remember his name, but Carolina could not stop him. Tubby completely outcoached Fogler. Georgia takes Carolina out of the tournament. Next thing you know, Coppin State disaster strikes. I mean, that season was just so good up until those last two games, guys. It was just mm-hmm. so disheartening. Yeah. How that thing ended because that that was a that was a team that actually struggled early. Lost to uh, Charleston Southern and UNC Asheville at home. Only scored thirty nine against Clemson. Virginia blew them out in the opener uh, in Hawaii, but they got it together. And man, oh man, just a, the loss to Coppin State. I'll never forget that Saturday. I went to my first ever St. Patrick's Day at Five Points that weekend, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing the copy of the state paper. It said madness. And sadness, and there's a picture of poor Bud Johnson on the bench with his head in his hands. I'll net that image will stay with me for forever because that team, that team probably would have gone to the Sweet 16 and played North Carolina in Greensboro at some point, and probably could have beaten them because that would have been the second time they would have played the Heels. Uh, they lost by 11 earlier that year after having a lead at halftime uh, at that thing in Charlotte they used to do. So, yet another chance that, um, yet another daggum. Missed opportunity to run into the heels in the postseason, just like in uh, Phoenix a couple of years back. So uh, one day they'll get that North Carolina battle and exercise a lot of demons by winning it. I mean, it could happen this year, you know, and, and you can continue marching towards something like that if you win tonight. Here's another fascinating thing, by the way, about those two games that were played in, in um, uh, that, that were that were played. And then, like, when you compare it to the year, that was in 1997 when they won at home and then won up there, as you just pointed out, J.C., and then turned around and you you look at at the following season, you look at the season prior, so many, I mean, like, like 75% of the players that you saw, you saw them again. Because that's back when, when they were all, you know what I mean, like, all the players returning, like you didn't have the transfer portal and all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. all those guys that you saw, you were going to see them again. Uh, and it was just um, really, it's really fascinating to go back and look at some of these games and look at the the box scores and, and you see the same names over and over again, two years, three years, four years. Pretty fascinating so stuff. So rare. I mean, I remember the one big transfer Carolina had that hurt them uh, when I was at that age was the Brent Price left. Uh, which was a shot. It's kind of a surprise. Brent Price was Mark Price's brother. Uh, George Felton had recruited Mark to Georgia Tech. Brent comes to South Carolina. I don't know what happened, but he was Brent Price was amazing. Uh, he goes out there and plays for Billy Tubbs. They average like 150 points a game because <laughs> yeah. uh, they went up and down the floor. But uh, that's the only one I can remember like leaving. Now, one thing that did happen during that era was it was just they were just starting to be these guys that would go straight to the pros. Um, Garnett, yep. or, and, it, and it, it hit Carolina twice because Garnett and O'Neal were around the same time as all these guys. And look, you could never get a straight answer as to whether or not either one was coming. I I, I tend to believe Fogler would have gotten both of them because when it came to high school players, Fogler was a closer. 
you know, and, and he had connections around the state. Guys like George Glimpf really helped him and stuff. Uh, you put those two guys on that, those teams, Coppin State doesn't happen because you have KG and, and maybe one year with KG and Jermaine O'Neal in the post with those guards. Right. How are you going to stop that? But, you know, as is the case with South Carolina, you know, all of a sudden it was pr- cool to go pro early. Or straight and Kobe. Kobe was around that time period. LeBron shortly thereafter, and all that. But uh, man, oh man, Garnett was really a pioneer with all of that. And uh, had they gotten him, boy, that would have been because um, they they were Stack and Gallman and those guys were and, and they were good players, but they weren't. The strength obviously was with the guards. We do need to uh, hit a uh, quick T.O. here. I'll throw this one in there because it's relevant for tonight. The second win ever in this series for the Gamecocks came in 1994 as the seventh-ranked Wildcats walked into Frank McGuire Arena and were upset 75-74. to That was the first win in the series since 1933 for the Gamecocks. Of course, they didn't play every year, and they didn't play every year until – Carolina entered the SEC in 1992, with the exception of a few times, most notably in the 70s. But in that game that night, March 5th, 1994, the leading scorer for Carolina was Emmett Hall, who chipped in 20 points and 13 boards. It was a double for him. The second leading scorer in the game was none other than assistant coach Kerry Rich, who had 19 on 7 of 14 from the floor, 2 of 5 from long range, and in addition to that, had nine assists, almost another double-double for the Gamecocks as they upset uh, Kentucky that evening. Anthony Epps was on that team. You know who else was on that team? Jeff Shepard. His son's playing tonight. Who will be playing tonight. His (laughs) son. Yeah, I remember Kerry had a great game that game. That was – Kerry sat out a year and then was eligible, and and that was – uh, Emmett, Emmett Hall, Jamie Watson, Kerry Rich were the best, and that that team struggled. But it was the, the it went over Kentucky, and I think they won a SEC tournament game for the first time ever that year too. I think that really springboarded them because the next year that group, uh, led by Melvin Watson, who was a sophomore, then that that team got to the NIT uh, almost to the NIT Final Four, lost to Alabama by a point at home. I need to ask Wimp Sanderson about that game, um, and then uh, and then the next year. We recapped that, and it was good. SEC glory, and we built an eighteen thousand seat arena, and thought you know the McGuire era was back, and we're going to be Arkansas East and win all these titles. And well, we've had a uh, one NCAA tournament in twenty years, and thankfully that was the Final Four. <laughs> Carolina's looking to do some damage tonight. Again, uh, seven o'clock tip. Got to hit a timeout. Don't go anywhere. Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. We'll be right back. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. 
If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game cops. So the boy told me, I know about the bitch. I'm a swag on. Take a look in the mirror and say, What's up? What's up? Yeah, I'm getting money. Oh, I know about the bitch. I'm a swag on. Take a look in the mirror and say, What's up? What's up? Yeah. Well, now. We've taken a couple of wrong turns or hard lefts or rights around here. I'll do this. I'll do one before we get back on track. This is something. I had no idea if this is going on. Stop me in my tracks if either one of you did or anybody else out there. Anybody, does the name Billy McFarlane ring any bells for either of you? Did he do Don't Worry, Be Happy? Or no, that's Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Billy McFarland sounds familiar, but I can't place it. How about, friend, friend how about the Fire Festival? Have you ever heard of the Fire Festival? Oh, oh that, that was never got off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. This cat is out of prison and he's selling tickets for Fire Festival 2. <laughs> well, if some is good, more wow. is better. <laughs> well, somebody that's, that's got a mind for that could get behind it and. Uh, all that good stuff. So you really could have turned that into something, but well, they chose to take the money and run is is my understanding, right? They've, uh, I guess so. Uh, it's the end of twenty twenty four, I guess. Uh, fire Miami, Florida Keys weekend. Is that wow? Uh, wow. Mm. Yeah. By, oh, by the way, yeah, you're right. Uh, whoever uh, Quantrell. Garnett did get in trouble at Malden. They were in our region at Burns. Uh, he was like my age, but uh, there was a little fighty fight that took place, and some things happened, and he had to come to Chicago and Fair God Academy and, and play uh, up here. So that was the deal there. But uh, yeah, so 
he um Burns went to the state championship his sophomore year, which was my sophomore year, and that uh, Burns lost two games, one to Malden and Garnett, and then one to Ray Allen and Hillcrest Dalzell in the 4A championship game, which is a hell of a game. Uh, Dalzell got up like 40 to 14. They were killing Burns. Burns lost a valiant comeback, cut it to 57-53, and then um, – they pulled away, I think, 73-69. Kind of like it reminded me a lot of that Final Four game, although Burns never quite got the lead like the Gamecocks did. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Gamecocks, hopefully they'll have the lead. That would make things a lot easier tonight on Matt Anderson, host of the Late Night Gamecock Show. He and Mad Dog will be live after the Wildcats and Gamecocks tangle with CLA right here on the Chief Sports app and available on all of our social media channels, uh, YouTube, across the Big Spur uh, channels, et cetera, as it always is, uh, to fuss and discuss what happened uh, in the ballgame. Again, that's immediately following tonight, Matt Anderson, the host of the Late Night Gamecock Show and produced by and co-hosted by our man right here, Mad Dog. If we ever can find somebody that enjoys torture, we, we may do some instant reaction thing but i don't think any of us three are gonna be on it <laughs> it will never uh, feel, be feel tonight but like i, I like a, like a, we had like a, like mike morgan was talking about how he used to host the football post-game call-in show you know I, it's I good to listen to probably because i've had a couple of beers that's probably i probably shouldn't yeah, be reacting to the chat box at that time <laughs> yeah so i just uh but yeah th- so this is something special you know uh, uh instant instant reaction matt does a really good job and basketball wise man and he'll be on tomorrow too for a couple hours he does a a fantastic job knows the sport really well so uh, looking forward to hearing what he has to say tonight for sure and uh, you can get that this is this is his live stream he does two a week one's alive and one's just podcast and this will be live and then on podcast so if you wake up if you miss it tonight you wake up tomorrow morning uh celebrate the win or mourn the loss and listen to a show to see what Matt had to say. South Carolina right now is one of the last four buys into the tournament, according to today's Bracketology by Joe Lenardi uh, with ESPN, along with TCU, New Mexico, and Northwestern. The last four in, according to Lenardi, Kansas State, Cincinnati, Ole Miss, and the last team in the tournament as of today are the Oregon Ducks. And if you go to the Bracketology page of ESPN's website, the picture representing the Ducks is a guy named Jermaine Kusnard, who, yes, is still playing college basketball and who had some amazing moments, as you just heard earlier, Derek Scott's call, of when he banked it in against Kentucky back in January of 2020. Uh, so Jermaine now, hopefully, pulling for Carolina across the company uh, country as he plays for the Ducks. The first team out is interesting. It's a team named Gonzaga. Hadn't seen that in uh, ever, seemingly. Providence, Colorado, and Wake Forest are also on that first four out line that are on the bubble for Lenardi. And then the next four out, Indiana State, Nevada, Florida, and Texas. And, JC, that goes along with something that you mentioned yesterday. And let me bring a couple of other teams into the equation because uh, in the – You've got, I mentioned Ole Miss as last four in type team, last four by South Carolina is in that group. And then when you fast forward and up the seedings, again, as it stands today, and, and, and I'll make a point with all this here in a minute, you got Mississippi State in there as a nine seed in Indianapolis, according to Lenardi. We'll remind everybody, 
while this is not the Bible, uh, Joe Lenardi is like ninety nine point eight percent right every year. So it's 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 a it's a pretty easy thing to go by. And then elsewhere, A and M in there as an eight seed, uh, he's moved them up just a little bit um, from where they were before. I think they were a nine seed last week. He's got, um, and then he's got a bunch of other. You know, South Carolina would be a, an eleven seed for what it's worth. They, they'd be facing six seed of Florida Atlantic. But I mentioned those other programs because Kentucky's a three seed. Uh, you've got um, Tennessee in there as a two seed. You got Auburn up there as a two seed. You know, or a three seed potentially a two seed. There, there's a boatload of SEC programs that one loss, one win by another, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna play the game, right? So like, you know, if 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 Carolina can beat Kentucky tonight, guess what's gonna happen, right? Of course, they're gonna move up off the last four buys and probably into a nine or ten seed type role for Lenardi. If they lose, they'll probably bump back to last four in, so they'll continue kind of playing that game. But who do you not want to lose to? Florida, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, whom they've already beaten once. Um, the, so those blue-collar games, JC, like you and Mike were talking about, I think that was yesterday, mm-hmm. like we were talking about don't lose to Vanderbilt. That's a bad loss. But you don't have to beat Kentucky, and you don't have to beat Auburn, and you don't have to beat Tennessee. But, boy, it would be nice to beat all those other guys. So it's, it's fascinating when you see the um, yeah. the bracketology come out, and it kind of paints that picture a little bit better of, oh, okay, now now I get it. With South Carolina's record and, and what they what they've accomplished so far, and you know, it obviously would be helpful for Grand Canyon, Virginia Tech, Winthrop, George Washington, um, schools like that. I mean, Notre Dame, if they could get to a quad three, I doubt they can. Um, it obviously would be helpful for those schools to to win and maybe get hot, uh, and for you know Clemson to stay in the mix in the ACC. But but you, the quote unquote signature wins, and I think Mike Mike mentioned the top four teams in the conference, which basically right now is Tennessee, Kentucky, Bama, and Auburn. You, you don't have to beat those guys. Now, if you do, that's going to help your seating. It's going to get you off the bubble and on the right side of the bubble because those wins mean a lot. Particularly if you get like go to Knoxville next Saturday and win. I mean, or next Tuesday night and win. That would be crazy. But um, you know you. you what you want to avoid, <coughs> excuse me, is losing to uh, getting being Missouri's first victim because they're going to get somebody or losing to Ole Miss and Vandy at home or, or losing to an LSU at home. LSU's better than people thought, but that's a winnable game. And when I sit here, JB, and I look at the February schedule compared to January, so January, South Carolina has at Alabama, Kentucky at home, and at Tennessee all in one month, right? Plus, road trips halfway across the country to Missouri and Arkansas. And you can ask anybody that plays a sport at Carolina, those road trips to Missouri, Arkansas, LSU, A&M are, are somewhat taxing. It's halfway across the country. Um, so then you come back, you know, and then February is this, at Georgia, Ole Miss at home, Vandy at home, at Auburn, which is tough, LSU at home, at Ole Miss, at Texas A&M. Those seven – you could go five and two. If you get hot, you can go six and one. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting on 10 conference wins, 11 conference wins. And then you got two home games, Florida and Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's going to drop one. Maybe they drop one on the road. They lost to Mississippi State on the road. And that's a, a defensive minded team like the Gamecocks. Florida would be a must win type situation. 
So if you go steal those two at home, you don't have to worry about winning in Starkville the last weekend of the season to get off the bubble. Uh, so I think I think I think surviving January because the schedule's tougher, and then making some hay, getting hot in February, is going to be the key for this team because. You know, realistically, you look at the schedule. There's some, you know, even that game at Georgia. You know, I, I don't, I don't know that Georgia's is dramatically superior team to the Gamecocks. Um, I think it was just their night in Columbia and it wasn't Carolina. So you, you can go in there and steal one back from them. I think they can sweep Ole Miss. I can't even believe Ole Miss is still in the tournament. Um, you know, Vandy's obviously terrible. At Auburn's going to be very tough. Uh, at A and M's going to be somewhat tough. But LSU, you know, I mean, that's a game at home you should win. So. Uh, I think you just got to hold serve. You, you don't need to lose this one tonight, and then turn around and have a disaster happen against Missouri because then it doesn't. It's not doesn't mean it's over, but it does mean you're in a hole and you're going to have to steal some back. I think that the win at Arkansas kind of counterbalanced that loss at home to Georgia, and so you're still right there where you should be. Uh, and it'd be nice if you can get ahead a little bit before February. But February is where I think this team's going to make their hay. Yeah, I, I I'm not convinced that Arkansas is going to finish with a flounder like they've started. I mean, they're, it's, so it's still a quad two win for South Carolina. So that's a good win on the road. A quad two win on the road is a good win on the – all road wins are good wins, let's be honest. But, like, when you go get quad one, quad two wins on the road, you're doing damage. And, and of course, they did that, and their metrics were good in the game, so it helped them, you know, move up in the, in the net and all those type things. But I don't think that Arkansas – is going to just roll over and die. Like, that's not Eric Musselman, you know? And I honestly, JC, I wouldn't be shocked, as you just pointed out with Ole Miss, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Razorbacks walk into Polly Pavilion tomorrow night. Isn't that the name of it? Is it Polly Pavilion? What no, the, the Polly Pavilion. That's, that's UCLA. That's UCLA. But the, the, it's called the, the Pavilion. Black, yeah. the, the Pavilion. The Black Black Pavilion. Black Pavilion, sorry. At, at Ole Miss. I wouldn't be shocked to see them walk in there and beat Ole Miss tomorrow night. Now, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they can, if they're good enough to beat Kentucky. I mean, if they can't play defense, you can't beat Kentucky. <laughs> so the Wildcats come to town, you know, this weekend on Saturday. And did y'all see that College Game Day is going to be there? They're going to be in Fayetteville for that game. Did I miss something? Has this been planned for a while? Like, did Eric Musselman promise to take his shirt off and run around or something? I mean, like, what's going on? So, kind of, kind of strange, considering they've lost four of five. But I wouldn't be shocked to see them go beat Ole Miss tomorrow night either, because I do think they're good enough to beat all the teams in the middle of this league. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like today is about this game. You know, Missouri A and M like. Not going to be a lot of eyeballs on it. Tomorrow, LSU at Georgia, blue-collar game. Auburn at Alabama, watch out, War Eagle. Mississippi State down there at Florida. Like, we we know what the, what the Bulldogs bring to the floor. We know what Florida is at home. That's going to be a battle in Gainesville. And then Arkansas at Ole Miss, as I pointed out. So, a lot of these things are going to start to, you know, kind of weave their way through again as, they, as they've as been doing every week. I mean, last year, okay, you mentioned a Musselman in Arkansas. Uh, they, after they got beat in the second game of the SEC tournament, they beat Auburn to kind of get them in. Uh, barely, they were on the bubble. Lost to A&M. They had lost six of nine games, including their last three in the regular season, right? 
Well, then they go and they, I think they were a nine seed. They beat Illinois. I remember sitting around some grumpy Illini fans for that one. And then knocked out everybody's favorite choke artist outside of Purdue, Kansas, uh, and got to the Sweet 16. And, and, and UConn, Wimp Sanderson told me before the tournament started last year, UConn was the best team. I should have listened to him. But uh, no shame in losing that one. So Eric Musselman's proven he can rally the troops, is my point. Um, and if you're Carolina, you don't you don't have to play them again unless you play them in the SEC tournament. Get the piggy hats out and pull pull for the Razorbacks, you know. I mean, I'll also remind everybody last year they started 0-4 in the SEC. Yeah. yeah. And then put it together. They lost to Auburn, Bama, at Vanderbilt, at Missouri. I mean, they, they were struggling and turned it around. So it's it's the way he does does it's the way he recruits that portal, JC. Yeah. He, he gets all these guys. I mean, the year before they started out 0 and three in the league, and then they went on like a 10 game winning streak or something. Twenty twenty one, they opened um one and four in the SEC and then just went on a run. And got into uh, got into the tournament. Twenty yeah, so- the other year was you know COVID screwed it all up. But not to, sorry, not to interrupt you, but um, you know they opened the year th- you know three and three, and then got it turned around at the end of the season before before COVID canceled everything. They finished the year twenty and twelve overall. So like they get it going, they just start slow. They absolutely could turn it around. That absolutely could become a quad one win for South Carolina uh, within the next month. Um, and that's good. And, you know, and, and there are a lot of teams kind of right on the bubble. I mentioned Virginia Tech earlier. You know, they've had some unfortunate losses. Uh, I think they blew one at home, and then they had to go play Virginia, which is always a tough matchup. But uh, they're getting it kind of back together in the ACC. You know, I mentioned Clemson Grand Canyon lost a game, but they were going to eventually lose one, and, and, and they can kind of get back. So, you know, those are the, those are the kind of the quad – Mississippi State's even knocking on quad one status right now, you know, as far as that game goes. So you got to kind of just, you know, pull for some of these other teams to where when you get the selection Sunday, maybe if you, if you got the record you expect at some of these quad two threes come become one or twos, you may not have to be last four buys or, or whatever. You, you may get a five, six seed, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, Virginia mm-hmm. Tech's sitting at 51 in the net right now. I believe if that goes to the 49, yeah, 50. Th- th- just that's 50. quad one. Yeah, get so. to 50, and that becomes a quad one. Same, I mean, same thing with um, uh, we, uh, Mississippi State. Yeah, but, well, no. Mississippi State's uh, 10 spots away. I think they're 40th. Uh, I'll get to, I'm pulling up Grand Canyon right now. Grand Canyon's at 48. I know that. So that's, so that's back South to Carolina. a quad, that's back to a quad one because that's a right. top fifty neutral yeah. site win. Right, Gamecocks so. are five and two in quad one, quad two games. They'd be six and two Which if they win tonight. Really good. So. Got to hit our final timeout today. Is a great day, by the way. It's a great day, and I'm going to tell you why. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. (laughs) 
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Final few minutes. Oh man. Hats off to Mr. Bill, Bill Goss, and Billy G's Carolina Barbecue because they're making me hungry. Looking at that mac and cheese. Billy G's Carolina Barbecue.com to order catering or to order food trucks or Carolina Barbecue Sauce.com to have it delivered, bam, to your doorstep. The sauce and the rub. He's not gonna make a tub of mac and cheese and ship it to your door. All right. You're gonna need to order catering for that. Okay, uh, so uh, first of all. Uh, in the chat box here. Uh, happy, happy, happy. Good to see you, Mr. Happy. Gamecocks need to get their perimeter game back and work on making those free throws. Well, they were 9 of 18 from long range last game, so they got it back. If they didn't do that, they wouldn't have won. They also were 12 of 17 from the free throw line. Uh, that Georgia game, that's the only time that's happened all year. I mean, it, so, you know, let's just hope it doesn't happen again, but I understand what you're saying. Today is a great day. It is National Pie Day. This is one of two reasons today is a great day. It is National Pie Day. Do you have a favorite pie, JC? You've got to have a favorite pie. 
Yeah, my mom's apple would probably be a favorite pie. I, I like shepherd's pie. I like chicken pot pie. Macaroni pie. Yeah, but wait a second now. We're going all over the place. Shepherd pie fruit, and chicken fruit. pot pie. You got it. Yeah, We're going to stick gotta. with fruit pie. Just your standard fruit or pecan. Pecan pie. Pumpkin pie. Yeah, uh, yeah I like uh, apples. Probably my favorite. And, and I like, now look, I'm not going to turn down a good cherry pie either. Mm. How about you, Phil? Ever. Oh, I'm a key lime guy. Are you? Oh, yeah. I love a good key lime pie. You know, yeah. although I was I was definitely feeling JC on the whole shepherd's pie and chicken pot yeah. pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure. a big fan of both of those. There's no doubt. Yeah. But like, it's got to be, you got to have different. You we're know. going dessert pie specifically. Yeah. yeah I'm, we're I'm going there. Pie. That's, uh, that's it. Either that or. Because uh, you'd have to include pizza. Uh, cream and stuff pie is also yeah. another favorite. Yeah. I like the custard pie they have at, uh, remember, like the K&W cafeteria? And all the you know as you get you got the you guys know the cafeteria you go in and you get your tray and your salad and get your entree and go down there and get your tea your biscuit you have that dessert a custard pie my grandmother used to get it we used to have to go to the the K and W for you know four o'clock four thirty senior special when yeah. I was a kid it's early bro anyway. K and W is legit oh it's I totally know. legit we um, could do oh, yeah. By the way, Tyler, inside the gamecocks at gmail.com, just send us an email uh, and we will send you. I wouldn't mind having some of that 92 college memorabilia yeah. if you're willing to part with it. So shoot shoot me inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. I'm all, I, use I, it for I, a I set. I, I'm doing a set redesign anyway, so I got to redesign my set here. There you go. Mm-hmm. What about finally, you, Jimmy? What's your pie, What's your pie oh. of choice there? I know it's strange that I have a favorite pie, but I, I don't know if I've got a favorite. I eat them all. Like, I'm just, I'm a, I, I'm a sweet tooth guy. So, you know, I'm a huge fan of good key lime pie, but like, don't make it too tart. You know what I'm saying? Some people can screw it up for whatever reason. I don't, I'm not big. Like, blueberry, like apple with, like, with JC, um, hot with some ice cream. But like you said, okay, so I'm with- let's clear. It's, it's cobbler pie. Is cobbler. Mm. cobbler pie? No, I don't know. I don't think so. It's I'm gonna cobbler. say no. No, yeah, I don't need because so that's a good it's question. Similar, but it's cobbler because I mean, cobbler mm. is kind of yeah, it's, it's different because like, I, like I would never call peach. Like, there's to me, there's a distinct difference between peach cobbler and peach pie, correct? Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, you've got an entire crust surrounding yeah, pie, a pie. Yeah. yes, and a cobbler just has crust where it has crust, right? right. It's <laughs> random like, crust. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But the see, then also, like, you know, my wife makes pumpkin pie cheesecake, which is unbelievable, but that's not really a pie, but it's made like a pie. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's in a pie crust. Cheesecake is cheesecake more is like, like a pie than a cake. Pie. Yeah, it's it's more pie than cake for sure. Yeah, to me, cheesecake, is, unless, you know, the cheesecake factory, you get the fancy ones. So then, yeah. so then, if so, then that's my favorite pumpkin pie cheesecake. Pumpkin pie cheesecake. That's yeah. fair. Oh, I'll accept only, that. Only Carrie. Only Carrie's. The rest of y'all's pumpkin pie cheesecake sucks. For anybody that thinks that they can uh, counter my wife's, no, you can't. Yours is terrible. Carrie's is the best. She decided that years ago, and that's the way it has to be. All right. Um, People said, "Amen." I said, Jacob, I said not too tart. Not too tart. There's a difference in tart and too tart. All right. And then finally, yeah, there's such a thing as too tart. And then finally, 
today. I want to say happy birthday to my first girlfriend, uh, <laughs> Tiffany. Many of you know her as Kelly Kapowski. Uh, but uh, Tiffany Thiessen is her real name. We dated for years and when I was growing up. Uh, hard to believe she is 50 years old today. 50 years old and my first girlfriend. I, I had a thing for older women back in the day. Um, so I'm a big fan of, of my first girlfriend, Tiffany, a.k.a. Kelly, to all of you from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> if, I wish you'd have sent me that before the show because I would have had something ready We'd for have it. definitely That's okay. That's we'd, a, we'd have spruced that up a little bit. Maybe hey, next Kelly time. <laughs> oh, Bruin, don't, don't, you, don't do that. Don't even try it, Bruin. You take that back. Somebody delete that comment. Nobody had a turn with Tiff. Okay. It was my <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I can, I can well, relate to that. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like. All right. Hey. It, hey. It's cut, it cut your mic now, Phil. So you were the one that the ghost got this time. As soon as you start the ending music, somebody's mic. I did. Every scene. Now you're back. Yeah. It, it, it's like it, it puts a five second. You're not going to talk for five seconds. <laughs> Clint, well done. Me and that Veronica Vaughn got it on. Damn no, you Veronica Vaughn. Vaughn. That Veronica no, you didn't. <laughs> no, nah, did. I know, but I know somebody that did. They got it on. No, they didn't. No, no, no you don't. Did. Everybody no. in the bus. He's <laughs> 30 back. Dude, that is the best. No, you didn't. That's one of the best. Can- that in, uh, in the movie Dirty Work. But those Farley cameos, I mean, that it's like you, you, the camera comes on him and he's, you're like, man, that bus driver's sweating up a storm. And he looks very agitated and you're like, holy shit, it's Chris Farley. <laughs> yeah, I'll be kids, Parker. He can't do that. He had Veronica Vaughn. Yeah. Hey, you dropped the SH word twice today. Remember, this is a five plus show. I thought I only said it once. So Doyle rules, by the way. O'Doyle rules. O'Doyle rules. <laughs> Peter uh, Pants up, is cool. Call me Miles Davis. Up now on TheBigSpur.com, Hale McGranahan has a column about Pete Limbo and the remarks that he shared about South Carolina. And boy, did he have some remarks to share about Shane Beamer in South Carolina. I would suggest you go check that out as we are out of time. Thanks to Kate. Okay. Thanks to Hale McGranahan, Derek Scott, of course, for their time today. And always thanks to Schubert and Mad Dog. Gamecocks have a big one tonight at 7 on the SEC Network. Can they get it done against number 6 Kentucky? We got you covered tomorrow with David Kloniger and Matt Anderson to look back on what may be. Until then, have a terrific Tuesday afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 from the Sinorama Studios inside the Gamecocks served by Chicken Cotton.